This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand, providing high-strength formulations to support recovery, elevate energy, and relieve joint inflammation for endurance athletes. Available now at pillarperformance.com.au. Episode number 229 the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you. We're talking about the World Indoor Champs that have just wrapped up over in Serbia this morning. Talk about the Melbourne Track Classic that happened over the weekend. Thanks to Patreon supporters. Uh, Moose on the Loose, missed that last week, so you can give us two if you want this week, Moose, and um, yeah, do everything else that we do on this podcast every week. Welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, the 348 1500 meter runner, Bradley Croker. Welcome to this week's show. Thanks, Brady. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going well. Thanks, Croaks. Up and about. A lot of good things happening at the moment. So pretty excited to be talking to you on a Monday night. Um, first up, how was your weekend? No kids, no wife. What did you get up to? Yeah. Uh, it was very quiet. I uh, watched a fair bit of footy and um, yeah, did a, bit, a fair bit of running and a bit more recovery. So it's, uh, look, love, love Viv and love the kids, but it's nice to have a bit of alone time every now and then. So they're back on uh, on Wednesday. Oh, they're still away. Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Jeez. And my other co-host, Dan in Anglesey, the Australian representative at the 2019 Doha World Championships over the marathon for Australia. Welcome to this week's podcast, Julian Spence. Hello, guys. How you doing? Greetings. Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. We're yeah. already had a little chat, so that's why we feels awkward to get... Get introduced? Yeah. Don't give away my secrets, Moose. The listeners don't know we've already had a Moose, we just chat. spoke about the Great Ocean Road, though. You should be a bit more up and about than what you are. Yeah, I tried to go up a level since that recording. <laughs> I wasn't talking about that. I was going to say that we had a good catch-up before as friends. but yeah. <laughs> Mate, we're all too busy to have catch-up as friends. We get on here and just go, right, let's start, get going so we can get finished. Mm, You're yeah, too busy true. to have friends, aren't you? I know. I'm trying to do eight things. I'm, I'm actually performing three jobs right now. And talking to you. Okay, as long as you don't get distracted, I'm happy. No, um, tell I'm engaged. Me, tell me about Anglesey Moose. What's been going on down there? I've uh, been busy still. Anglesey is changing as a town just because COVID's uh, COVID is forcing people out the city. Everyone can work work out. They can live in their holiday houses down there and still perform perform the work they need to, like work from home gigs. You can do it on the coast. So our town's changed a little bit from when I was growing up. Even the, uh, the the weekends at the moment, in towards like mid mid to end of March, are, are busy. So it's 
it's good because the businesses get pumped all year and used to, they used to battle through the year, but um, it is a little busier on the trails and in the cafes and on the beach, that kind of stuff. All right, how's your running been going? Not a lot of action. Oh this yeah, didn't do a lot. Didn't do a lot of running this week. I, uh, yeah, I actually I ran today for the first time. So last week Monday I ran twice. We talked talked about that. I ran in the morning uh, with with Maddie Freeman. Ran some trails. I, I sort of had a little bit of a an e niggle, and then it wasn't too bad. And then during the day I was like, oh, this isn't feeling perfect. Uh, I did I did do a double because at that point. I, it wasn't very harsh, the pain, it wasn't severe. I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was an injury or anything. And then I ran that afternoon, finished the run, got in the car, got out when I got home from the run and and my knee was just like, I felt like someone had put a knife in it. It was it was locked up basically in a certain angle. And, and I spent the next like five days trying to, uh, trying to get the inflammation down from, from the joint. So I saw Ali, and she she gave me some some exercises to do. Took some anti-inflammatories. Uh, been doing. I've been going to Kiza. So Kiza is sponsored the Great Ocean Road. They looked after me with like a little bit of a, a an introduction membership at at their clinic. They're like a physio um, gym type setup where they take you. They assess your your strengths and weaknesses, and and they've got like machines in there. So you go around and do a bit of a circuit. And so I'm going. I'm going to that, and I've uh, I've been paddling the board a little bit. So, but I, I didn't um I didn't actually run this week until today. So that was that was those runs only on Monday. And my thought process behind that is that I I, I just don't have anything to rush back for. I'd rather the knee come good, and I enjoy healthy running rather than go through that similar cycle I've done in the past, which is just train through an injury gets a little better, train more, gets a little worse, and it just does my heading. So for me, like I'm just want to get healthy first before I get back, and it feels pretty good now. Mm, yeah, because that's hard to do because you were stringing, like looking at Strava now, like five or six decent weeks there. Yeah, and this is the problem. It probably got a bit carried away. Like I remember, and this, is, this happens a lot, and I've noticed it. I, I saw, I've seen multiple people do it, but the athlete comes back, is really sensible, does a lot of cross-training, keeps their mileage relatively low. They get really fit, get a race result, all of a sudden get a sniff of of more running, and then they get sucked into that whole trap of just running as much as they can again, and then all of a sudden long-term injury. And and I've been, I got sucked into it, no doubt. I didn't need to be running 140k weeks. I just didn't, I didn't need to. Uh, I was coming back really well and. I was, yeah, and those guys oh, smoked you down in Geelong, didn't they? And then you put up something about how you're so motivated. Is that it? Is that? Because remember, you put a picture of Pierre. Yeah, and you're I, like, I understand. This is my motivation yeah. or something. Was that the time you're talking about? But you oh, also that wasn't a, about that. That was about getting beaten. That was yeah. yeah. But also, like on your comeback, Moose, like you'd had a like it's one thing to come back and just train like comfortably hard, but you had that sort of Sunday race. Um, with your group which was a high intensity one and then you had you know the Geelong race and you had some races earlier on so you you had you had a fair bit of intensity in that comeback I did and looking back it's like oh you you made some bad decisions here in retrospect and and at the time just because your body feels good doesn't mean it's a good idea to do what you're doing Mm. and so I'm 
like I say it now and you guys got to hold me accountable. The next comeback, I'll be a lot more sensible with my mileage. I'll do more cross training uh, and I'll like, I don't need to be really doubling. I need to be getting six months. And we talked about it last week. I don't want, I don't want a week up, a week down, a week up. I want six months of just injury free running. And that should be, that could be at 80 K a week. Could be a hundred, could be at 70, could be 120, but I don't think I'm going to get it at 140 plus. Plus the new stress as well. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago when you took over the yeah. shop. Like people but, underestimate how much stress can impact your body. This is the thing as well. And it's not just mental stress, which there is a lot of. A lot of it's actually me just being on the shop floor, mm. squatting. Like I, I go into it. I think my knee actually flared up a lot from going into like deep squats to do up people's shoelaces yeah, for them. That would do it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't realize what was going on at the time. And then I like pulled up one day. I'm like, oh gee, that was a like I was I squatted probably five times during that fitting deep in like basically my bum touching the ground. And you do that six, seven times a shift. There's like 40 squats, and it just it's that's a day. And I and I haven't been doing that for a long time, really, like fitting shoes like that. So it's it's changed. Yeah, new movement. Um, I've asked you this before, or maybe is Ali still right in your program, or would you consider going to someone who you can bounce ideas off, or like you know give you a program so you just to hold you back a bit. Yeah, you know you're kind of uncoachable. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it's hard to then coach someone who's so busy with their lifestyle and stuff as well. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I liked about not having a program is that I could, I could, I could do what worked for me on that day. And uh, I, maybe I do need that. But I think, like in my head, I'm like, oh, I've realised the mistake. I can fix it now. So, but that's just Until a bit you make of, the next mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I can, um, yeah. I, could, I can hit up Jakub. I'm sure there's room in the squad for in, you, Moose. In I was oh. going to introduce you as Bradley in, in the Brits and the I as well. Fully forgot about that. Bad, but, bad but are we doing doubles? family. Are we doing doubles, Double Brad? workouts, 10 by 1K uh, not, super sessions. Not, not yet. I reckon that might break me. <laughs> oh. Well, if I'm not joining unless I go full Inga Britson style. <laughs> mm. Something to yeah. think about, though. But, yeah, I don't know how anyone would write a program for you, though, how busy you are. Yeah, I, I, it makes. So the minute you have a program, you just you, it changes things when someone else is writing it for you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Who would you get? Nick Bedell or someone? No, I would get Ali. Oh yeah, was she. That's what I started with the question. Has she been writing your program or you? No, just been, I took it yeah, back okay. because I wanted some more flexibility in it. I wanted to be able to do it. I was changing most of the stuff myself just because of my lifestyle. But I would, I would definitely get Ali again. Because she got me back from the, the knee surgery properly, and she knows I, what she's um, doing as a physio as well comes in handy for someone like yeah, this. Yeah, and she knows me and my body really well, so I think um, I think that would be. But she's busy now too, so she probably wouldn't take me back. Not after I dumped her last time. <laughs> yeah. About four weeks until stall, you'll be right to get going. I reckon. Croaks your week. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a good week. I don't know. Off the back of Moose saying uh, you probably did too much, I had my biggest week in close to two years. Um, oh, yeah, you had a good week. I was but I feel, week. I feel good. Like it's like I, I've had patches since 2018 where I felt like I've been moving okay, but it's been for like one or two weeks. Whereas I feel like I don't know since the start of the year, since I've got over COVID and my calf, like I just haven't had any of this back and hip stuff and. 
like running is just so enjoyable. Like it made me realize like how much I was just battling for the last two, three years. Like and and like almost like stubbornly doing it, knowing that it wasn't fun, but I'm just like, oh, I've just got to keep going, keep going. And something's just clicked where I don't know. I feel like I'm moving as well as I have, yeah, since 2018. So um, yeah, so Monday was a public holiday, so I got out in the morning for an hour at 4:22s. Then Tuesday morning, did 35 minutes on the treadmill, uh, just at 12 and a half K an hour. And then track session on Tuesday. Uh, so I was gonna do anywhere between eight and 10 by a K, depending on how I felt. So two weeks earlier, I did eight by a K. Um, and there was three of us in the little group, which was awesome. Like I was driving out there, I'm like, oh, I wonder how many guys will be there to, to share the lead. and. Um, you know, leading 10 reps on your own, it would be a bit of a grind. But as it turned out, I only really had to lead sort of five of the 10. So I ended up doing 10 by a K. Um, felt great. Like I averaged three twelves for the whole session. Um, so like the first probably four reps were between like mainly around three fifteens, And then like the next sort of three reps were around that sort of three twelve, And then my last three were like, I think three ten. 37 and 303 and just felt like super controlled um like i've never done 10 by a k before and the one thing i'm finding with these longer controlled sessions is i'm i'm just getting stronger like yeah i'm not running as fast as you know when i used to do six you know you're running close to three minute k's but you get halfway through the session and you're already like working pretty hard and you just try and hold on whereas you know i could have done another two reps like so I was really happy with how that felt, and you know, I think three three twelves is you know is 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 respectable um, for where I'm at. Do you think um, that's your half marathon pace or ten k pace, like for the listeners out there? Um, I reckon it's, uh, I reckon it's a bit. Uh, I don't know. Three twelve like, pace for a half marathon is pretty good. That'd be I don't reckon I, yet, it? No, so it'd be quick. It'd be quicker than half marathon pace. Fifteen k pace. Yeah, so I reckon somewhere around that. Like, obviously, my, my reps fluctuated. Like, my slowest was 318 and my quickest was 303. Yeah, probably average But if we're looking at 312. So, look, I reckon I'd run – yeah, it's probably – I reckon I'd run a bit quicker than 312s for a 10K based on how I'm just feeling at the moment. Um, so, yeah, somewhere between 10 and 10-mile 10 pace, I suppose, mm. average. Yeah. Um, so and then – That's pretty good. Yeah, like, like crept up a little, crept up a little bit on the last two reps. But I think that's the joy in that, because you've kept the, like often when people do K reps, as I said before, they get halfway through the session and they're already like pretty cooked and they're trying to hang on for like three more reps. Whereas I was actually able to run fast at the end of the session, but feel really controlled because I wasn't like spent from three three quarters of the way through the session. Yeah, and when so, I'm looking at this as well, like I'm looking at the heart rate for the actual reps, but I think it's just important to look at the heart rate for the minute off, and it drops It was coming quick. down pretty coming quick, down wasn't it? Quick. Yeah. You're averaging 140 for yeah. you know a minute, and that's, a minute's not a long time, so that's showing that you're handling well, the pace, no worries at all. Well, that's probably the, like the one thing I've, from you. The one thing I've noticed with these sessions is, yeah, like I'm probably ready to go after about 30 seconds recovery, yeah. whereas when I'm doing, like back in the day, when you're doing K, it's like you want the full minute. Yeah, whereas the argument here, probably like, is that it's only a three-minute rep. Like it's not getting enough time to get up there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was really happy with how that felt, and it's it's just a good way of getting getting through like good volume too. Like it's you know 10k's worth of work, but I don't feel completely beat up from it. 
Um, so were you, sorry, you might have said this when I was getting distracted, but were you meant to kick it down like that? Well, not really. Is that I what just Jacob felt, does? Well, I don't know, but I just felt like you know. yeah, it wasn't, well, it wasn't all out. Like it was certainly wasn't an all out sort of, I'm going to run as fast as I can for these last two reps. Um, but I'm just like, oh, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. I'll just pick it up a little bit. So yeah. Um, all right. So then Wednesday after work, got out for 20K, uh, 418s. Thursday is my sort of lighter day, just 45 minutes. And I did sort of five, probably 20, about 20 seconds strides at the end of that. Uh, Friday morning, jumped on the treadmill, did six by six minutes off one minute rest. So I think it must have been about 10 days ago I did this session, but I did five by six minutes um, and I did it at 17K now, which is like 3.30. So for this one, I pumped up the treadmill to 17.5K, which is like 3.26s and did one extra rep and felt really smooth once again. I was under knowing whether I'd do the sixth rep, but Looking back at all the data, my heart rate was identical to what I did 10 days ago for five reps at a um, at a slightly slower pace. So once again, just in that comfortably hard zone, I think my heart rate, like I was averaging like low 160s for the reps and you know, probably got up to like mid to high 160s by the end of the session, which, you know, given you're on the treadmill in, in the garage, like you do sort of, your heart rate does sort of you know, creep up a little bit throughout the session just because you, you sweat a fair bit and get a bit dehydrated. But um, yeah. I jump off, I actually jump off the treadmill Do in between reps and I grab a, uh, yeah, I keep it running. Um, so I basically hit lap on my watch and because I use the core off. So I hit lap and then I hit off until I then start again. Um, and I just, yeah, go and sort of wipe myself down with the towel, have a drink and then jump back on. So this is a good it, example though of like your heart rates pretty similar to your three like three twelve k pace but you're going 12 seconds k slower mm. but because the rep goes for longer it gives the opportunity for the heart to heart rate to increase yeah uh yes yeah, so that was friday morning friday afternoon uh seven and a half k out at mulligan's 420s saturday morning an hour at 422s uh, and then that afternoon just jumped on the treadmill for another 35 minutes and then two hours yesterday um same loop that i did the week before pretty much the same pace as well 415s uh for 148k which probably actually probably more like 147 because um the track session measured a little bit long but yeah it's like my biggest week since i think like may 2020 and um yeah i just feel i don't know feel good like yeah like i certainly haven't nailed myself in any sessions and i think that that's allowed me to actually run a bit more mileage his mm. fit moose haven't seen getting better. in a long time. Super sessions, ten just, by one Kers. Well. But it's not a super. That's not a super session. I'm taking the piss. If you did them at three oh three, it would be. Yeah. You can um. You can just tell by the tone, mm. just how fit he's going. And it's nice to hear because he's been a real do- like Debbie Downer for a long time. Well, as I said at the start, I, I cannot believe how miserable running is. Like comparing how I move now to like the last three years, it's like. It hasn't been fun, but as we know, like when you are moving well, it's like the best feeling in the world. Um, so with yeah. all that said, Croaks, best feeling in the world when you're running well, haven't ran this good for two years, and then I hear this rumour that you're going to pull stall. out pull out of the stall gift I'm thinking you're. I'm thinking this is good excitement. for you. Stall is good for you. Exactly. <laughs> why, is would not... you why would you pull out of this? Well, all right. So Explain this to er- me. Originally. Live on television. The listeners are so excited. Oh, committed, about... committed to it six weeks ago. 
So there's a few reasons. One, originally it was like, oh yeah, let's go to store. They got yeah, like fashions on great. the field. They got fashions on the field on right Saturday. On That'd TV. be great. Be part of like the whole atmosphere. Then we get online and we can't find any accommodation within like an hour of store, which means, all right, well we can't actually go to store and stay in store for the weekend. Then, so then it was like, all right, we'll come to your place, Brady. Mm, um, which means, place. yeah, which means Beautiful for us, accommodation. So for an Easter long weekend, it's six hours in the car on Good Friday. It's come, then come another down Thursday night, I reckon. Come down Holy well, Thursday. So anyway, six hours with two kids. We get down it. To we, your place. we get it. We got to travel to the race, but everyone's yeah, got to travel to races, Brad. Yeah, no, 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 no. But so I got, I got to go. I got to go six hours just to get to your house. Yeah. Then, then spend a day or so there. Then I got another six hours on the Monday. Three hours there. Three hours back. And then I have another six hours on Tuesday to come home. Now that's like 18 hours in the car over my Easter long weekend with like kids when it's a four minute race that like 15, 20 years ago, that's when I should have been doing this event. Not it's now. It's handicap though. They'll give you a good handicap. But the point is, it's chance like- Chance to win 5,000 bucks. Yeah, it's also the chance to go there and like tear my calf or tear my Achilles because <sighs> I'm going to be running way faster than anything I've ever done. <laughs> or in the last... Yeah, Why don't you catch an aeroplane? You realise they uh, exist. Catch a plane down. Canberra to Melbourne. I'll pick you up well, at the airport on the way through. Yeah. <laughs> nah. It's still, oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't There's a lot mean, of disappointed listeners. They were pretty excited Im- about this. Stall's not that important to me. And look, Moose is probably not even going to run it now either. Yeah, you run a Moose? He's, le- he's legit injured though. Well, he's not just a pussy I might start it. I might be up with a starter's gun. Yeah, I um I just can't justify giving what about up a whole we should, long weekend. What for about a if I start race. one of those like change.org campaigns or something? So how many signatures do I need to get you there? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know I'm going to do this too. Don't you? you know I've uh, you know I'm going to do this a thousand. You, you know I've made my just I don't give in to peer pressure. What about pain. how many comments do you need on your Strava this week? If we use like hashtag Go Race Stall Croaks or something like that, it's not going to. Well, actually, list, probably the, the more. The more, the more comments on, I get, just give the, the less listen, likely I'm going to do it. A lot of listeners tune in this podcast every week. They listen to your week every week. Been doing so for years. They just want to Sid- see like a head-to-head. Sid- Sydney 10 is locked in. No, First been, of May. But the thing is, you said store was locked in. No one can believe you anymore. No, I never said store was locked you, you in. You did when say we, it was locked when, in. When you we lost spoke all credibility. It, when we spoke about it, I was like, oh, that's tempting. But it was never locked in. Oh, bullshit. It was locked in. The guy from Store Athletics Club emailed it saying thanks for locking it in. Yeah, it was locked in given that we could actually stay in store for the weekend. And so, we hang could do if I can, so if I can get a listener that lives near store that can offer up some accommodation, you'll do it? <laughs> Probably not. Come on. So This no. is disappointing, isn't it, Moose? I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Hey Moose, would you would you be keen for eighteen hours in eighteen hours in the car over Easter long weekend for a four minute race? Mate, he flew to Doha for a race. He flies to Berlin, you know how long that fight is? <laughs> That's a bit if different. I was in this the form you were in, I would be yeah. there. I would, you could how much cash here, Brady? Five thousand dollars prize money. As yeah, I said, people think it's like. As Brad, I said, you love cash. People think yeah, it's a gold medal kind of same as a store sash. I don't agree I with to, that. I used to love. I used to love cash more than I do now, Moose. Now I actually think about things like eighteen hours in the car, it's, and I'm it's like, five grand all up. I think it's you can't pay me grand. enough. What about just fly down? Flights can't be that expensive. Just come down on the Sunday Arvo. It's a business trip. Yeah. yeah. You realize you're part of you're work, you're an employee of this business. Yeah. Yeah. And where are your directors? Anyway, Sydney mm. 10, listeners, nah. where you'll see me on the start line. Do you reckon, this serious question, because I've been taking the piss a bit the last couple of minutes, but do you have, like, a bit of concern about racing? Because you've got to, like, you know, you've got to get on a podcast and talk about it. Like, does it worry you um, that if you're I, not going to win, you don't want to race? 
Uh, I def- well, I was actually thinking, I've been thinking about this a bit recently. Because mm. like, it is different now that we have a podcast and you've got to justify stuff and recap races and things like that. Yeah, but then I argue, like, early on, like, I had some of my best races when the podcast started, hmm. you know, like my 217. I, I thought it was actually good for me. I think good now pressure. I just re- – I think more I realise that, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to – I'm unlikely to get excited about any race result <laughs> because, for me, it's like, well, if I can't break my PBs – like, as we've, we've gone over this many times where it's like I've raced, I've raced for 20 years, 20-plus 20 years, and – Back when I always felt like I could PB, it was exciting. Whereas I just don't feel like I'm, I can do that anymore. Like you got to mate. You're still sash. Is like I enjoy training. Yeah, like going out and doing ten by k, feeling great doing it. Like that gives me just as much satisfaction as going to Sydney last year and running fourteen forty four. Like really? I, 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 I nah, races yeah, are I a whole different level. I come home and I feel just as satisfied that I've I had a great. I feel good running and I get out get out the door. You like you know people run like. People you, run for, you train for reasons other other than racing. Not everyone. I reckon the majority of people out there run for yeah. other reasons than racing. Yeah, and we saw that during COVID when everyone just kept training even though there was no races. Yeah. I do so, agree. It's got more benefits than just racing, but the races are the bit that just like get the hair sticking up on your neck kind of thing, that white line fever. Yeah, when you used to when you used to think you could run faster than you ever have. I reckon you're pulling out because you don't want me to smoke you. No, I don't give a shit That's about why it's a handicap. Who cares? Yeah, but still, <laughs> if I can give you a few... If I, give you 50, camp, yeah. I if I can give you a 20 meter head start and still beat you, that's even better. That's all right. All right. I'm going to ha- put you on the I'm, same handicap. I'm happy with I our head to head rating. Handicap. Yeah, but it's hard for me to balance out this head to head if you never want to race me. Hmm. Disappointed, Croaks. Not angry, just disappointed. We're still at the end of the, the director at um, Victorian Athletic League said we got to the end of March to try and change your and change mind again. So that's nine days. So we'll see how we go. Not happening. Listeners, get into him on Strava, Instagram DMs, wherever you want to. Let you, let him know. My week, boys, you want to hear about it? Public holiday Monday, Labor Day. Did you have that, Bradley, in ACT? Uh, it's called um, Canberra Day, Canberra Long Weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, it's called Labor Day down here. Got out for 60 minutes, 4.42. Just real recovery focus, this one. Actually, went and checked out the new bridge. You guys have been hearing me bang on about the new bridge from Echuca Moama. So it went bush. What? what new bridge? Yeah, we're getting a new bridge, Moose. And we get, remember those new traffic lights I was telling you about? No. New bridge. They reckon it's going to be finished mid, mid-year, mid but I reckon they're working hard. The trade is down there. So um, I went down and checked that out. Went down the bush, but then I ran into a few fences, so I had to kind of double back. Couldn't get through there. Had it all set up for all the construction. Pretty big job putting a bridge like that in. You don't realise how um, yeah much machinery oh, yeah. and those big pill- Like They're not going in the water. They're going straight from one bank to the other bank. Whereas the other bridge goes in the water, like it's got pillars going into the water. Which so got, how do, you, I don't how do know. you put those pillars in the water? I don't water? know. My brother and I were talking about it the other day. Like, <laughs> do they just chuck it down there in the mud? I don't nah. know. How, how do they get them to There's got to be a way because I've, I've often thought this. I'm like, it's gotta, you've got to put concrete or something in and it's got to dry. How but do you dry? It dry? <laughs> and it's so deep down there too. Uh, this should be so easy to know. But, but there's see. real sad stories. Like, I don't even know if they're real. Some Achuca listener will let me know. But there's stories of people jumping off the bridge and actually getting stuck in the mud at the bottom of the, the river and never coming back up again. No, that's not true. No, it's all like, yeah. no, no, I think <laughs> Mate, it is. that's what you tell to your kids so they don't go play in the <laughs> river. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're still playing there. You still go down my way. That ain't beach. true. You don't, you don't jump on, from the, 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 I don't know. 
truth of listeners, help me out if that's true. Uh, if that I was think. Monday, 30 minutes, drips, drills and strides in the afternoon, six by 20 second uh, strides real fast in the Monday afternoon there. Tuesday workout, three by 3K, 500 meters jog between. Went for 9.40, 9.38, 9.33. Felt junk early. First rep felt shocking. Had a bit of a headwind, but it was only like 10K an hour, I reckon. 10, 15K an hour, but just felt sluggish. But then the longer I went, the better I felt. Um, so, yeah, kind of that 3.12, 3.15 kind of pace there, which was nice. 30 minutes in the afternoon as well as a bit of a shakeout, 4.41 pace. Wednesday, my recovery day, 45 minutes in the morning at 4.39 pace. 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.32 pace. That was after a schooner because footy tipping's back, boys. We've got this local place we do the footy tipping at. And um, 25 bucks right for the season. But every week you put the footy tips on, you get a free schooner. Mm. Pretty good deal, eh? And they mm. got like, I think they got like 15 different beers on tap at this pub. So, um, Wait, gonna... this isn't the Ichuka Moema Bowling Club? No, nah, this is the American Hotel, this one's oh, at, footy wait, tipping. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know if the bowling club has footy tipping. Travel in paradise. Yeah, I don't know about this. This is is the one I go, and I go with my tradie mate who's like a panel beater. He owns like a tow truck and panel beating. Archie Archie was at the bowling club because... (laughs) Jeez, Archie, yeah, he'll be taking that sponsorship soon the way he's running. Um, Anyway, so Colonial Pale Ale was beer of the week this week, which was all right. So, and run all right after having a schooner of that. So I might try that every week. Apart from what gets me with the footy tips, it frustrates me is back in the day, footy tips, like you'd always go down Friday night. But now we've got these Wednesday games, we've got Thursday games, we've got, like, you know, Tuesday games sometimes. Um, it's really hard to lock in at the same time you go down every week. So that was a Wednesday Wednesday game, this one. Uh, Thursday, medium long run, hour 45, 407s, 25K. Went out to the old uh, mountain bike track again. Enjoying that run, one of my favourite runs at the moment. Pretty dark early in the, at the moment too, boys, isn't it? If you're getting out there before kind of 7 a.m., it's dark for the first bit. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's headlamp season. Yeah. Daylight savings will change soon, though, won't it? And then we'll get a bit of light back, and then it's going to be full Uh, dark soon. Then it's dark at night. You only get a couple of weeks back, don't you? Then it's dark at night. So so then, yeah. Then I went to a funeral in Bendigo that day, so uh, a few hours in the car, and then I didn't do my second run until about 7.15 p.m., just got out for 30 minutes at 4.32s. Friday, a bit of a light workout, six by three minutes, off 90 seconds jog, just kind of riding that low three-minute kind of line. I think average like 302, 303s. Um, so kind of quick workout, not that hard, over pretty fast. And then went to work for the day and then 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.38s. Saturday, recovery day again, 60 minutes at 4.30s. I was pretty up and about on this one Could uh, because um, Collingwood had a win the night before, boys. Watch this, Moose. Nah, I didn't watch that. Geelong played, though. Geelong Geelong smacked up Essendon, didn't they? I didn't see. They smashed them Saturday. I thought it was still the pre-season, to be honest. Did you? You lost touch with the footy season. Yeah, I just tune in around finals time. Yeah, well, you're good if you're a Geelong supporter because you pretty much play finals every year, you guys. It's good to watch them. We've got a new coach, so it's good to see him get a... Who coaches you now? Craig McRae. Remember he used to play for Brisbane? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he's... He's good friends with one of my friends. Is Tristan. he? Yeah, Lynchy from uh, he used to play for Brisbane Bears too. They uh, they're good friends. Because he's married to a Bendigo girl. Married oh, yeah. to a girl I went to school with. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, but, I didn't uh, know that either. But my brother told me the other day. So that's good. He's got a bit yeah. of a Bendigo connection there. Anglesey and, connection. Yeah, as well. Does he live down there? No, Lynchy was our coach for a while. Oh right. 
a small world, eh? He seems good. Yeah. Seems like a real good leader, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, and Collingwood's got this new brand of footy, so they're kind of good to watch because we were super defensive last year and just not kicking any goals. So um, overseas listeners, this is the AFL we're talking about here, but we'll move on. Sunday, 2 hours 15, 4.06, hot, boring. Um, I went had to go solo. Like Archie was racing down in Tassie and Glenn was racing over in Wangaratta. So I went solo, probably went half an hour too late. One of those ones where like... You know when your shorts are so sweaty it starts dripping off your shorts and it like touches the back of your leg and you're not sure what that is? Like, you're like, did I just run through the sprinklers or something? But then you realise it's just how much you're sweating. I had that like 40 minutes in, so it was kind of a long time. Plenty of heat gains out there, but um, got it done just short of 33k, 160k's for the week, fellas. Another good base building week. Nothing on this piece of paper is that good, but all together, it's a decent week, so... One month to stall, but Carly did just say at dinner that she's thinking about doing run for the kids in two weeks. So I might go down there with her. We worked out that uh, she could look after Olivia while I do the 14K, and then I could finish the 14K and look after her while she does the 5K. So I might have a race in two weeks' time. That'd be a good one. Would be good to see where I'm at too. Kind of like a, a nothing distance. Just a 14K probably suits me. Kind of gets rid of a couple of those kids that are fast over 5'10". It yeah. might be a nothing distance, but it's a good race. Bit of an old man strength. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, I've run for the kids. I mm. really like that. So, um, yeah, see what happens there. Anyway, I want to thank some Patreon supporters. Let's All do right. it. I'll kick it off with uh, Christian Linchhausen. Uh, Christian lives in Oslo. Uh, he's got PBs of 45.23 for 10K and 2.11 for the half marathon. Spends a bit of time with the green and white doctor over there Ooh. in Norway and uh, could be a senior consultant in web and Android development. So thanks for your support, Christian. And uh, I, love, I love how everything's the doctor these days. It <laughs> doesn't you, matter what, did you like doctor. what I did there. White doctor. Don't mind yeah. that. Did you like that? Yeah. So we've added the – because you started with the blue and the orange, and we've added the green and the white in just like the last two weeks. Have you seen Christian, though, in the middle of winter over there? I'm not sure he uh, loves the white doctor. Oh, no, he hates the white doctor. Hates it. <laughs> he's loading up again. He's doing um, Hamburg. Yeah. April. Yeah, he's not the smartest cat. Has he, apologize, has he apologised to you yet? Still haven't heard anything from, from Christian. I did like a couple of listeners tagged me in his uh, Strava posts from his last marathon, <laughs> too, though, which is don't, don't, don't bite back. Don't. I know how hard marathons are. That's what I was getting at. Marathons are hard. Yeah. You're going to have DNFs. You're going to have injuries before you get to the start line. So, like, maybe don't throw shit at guys who are running 220. Anyway. Oh. Who are you thinking, Moose? You're trying to make something out of nothing here. Jarden. You spelt that wrong, haven't you? Jaden. That's J A D A N. That's Jarden. Do you reckon it's it's pronounced Jaden, though? Mm, I'd say Jaden would be with like an E or a Y, I'd say. Jarden. Jarden or Jaden Helkert. Helkert. Um, Kilsyth. Is that in the country somewhere near you, Brady? Hmm, that doesn't Kil- actually know. I don't know where that is, Moose. I'll look Kilsyth. it up while we're talking. Not down your uh, No. So Jarden is run 123 at Run Melbourne, half. 258 at Melbourne Marathon 2019. Maybe a bit of a history in triathlon and Ironman. Won the 44K at the Wilson's Prom Run Festival. So that's a bit of a old like trail runner. Trail running strength there. Could be a senior project engineer. What do you reckon that means? That's an engineer, but you're the best of them. Yeah, you're the top dog. 
Yeah, it's near like a suburb of Melbourne. Oh, is it? Near right. Bayswater, Ringwood. Oh, it sounds a bit more country than yeah, that, doesn't it? Fern Tree Gully. Killsite. Yeah, yeah good. anyway, good. Thanks, thanks, Jarden. Thanks, mate. I'm going to thank Amy McKinley from Hampton East. That's also a suburb of Melbourne, I think. Could yeah. be an 800 metre runner with a PB of 215 if I've got the right person. So she's got wheels, does a few of the big Miles Club races. Only 20 years old, so watch this name for the future. Could see that get down to, you know, 210, 28, 26, all of a sudden you're the next Katrina Bissett. Um, won a few pro races, including the Ballarat Gift Moose. She won the Ooh. 400 metres at the Ballarat Gift. Okay. And she's Listen. once come second at stall. So it hasn't quite got the stall sash, but she got pretty close one year. Gee, okay, yeah. Some Ballarat Gift's a good one. One of the, one of the most prestigious, mm. yeah. One of the most prestigious. One of the big ones. So thanks, Amy, for your support of the Inside Running podcast as well. If you like what we do, insiderunning.com forward slash inside running podcast. Heaps of bonus content over there, over 100 bonus shows. Get the show early each week. Helps us keep the lights on, keeps us rocking up every week to record the show. So, um, yeah, if this show brings you value, you can help us out financially to support us. Right, righto, boys, let's go to the world indoors first. This was good, good watching it the last couple of days. Easy mm. to watch. Just mm. click on YouTube. You're there straight away. Don't have to worry about VPNs or anything like this. Great commentary. Yeah, is it they did a good job. Hannah they English, is she the, who's a good runner back in her day too, wasn't she? She's the one on the commentary. I don't know. Who I didn't watch any of it. I'm oh, sorry. Well, you're the wrong person. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Hannah English doing the commentary mm. with Steve Cram. Is it Steve Cram? Not sure where either, Brady, but yeah. Did you watch any of it? I did, Like, but I don't know who the commentators were, but... um. Yeah, I like that they had multiple channels as well, mm. depending on what you wanted to watch. But, um, yeah, as you said, just jump on YouTube. And, like, I tried to watch, like, as much as I could, you know. I, like, I stayed up to watch, like, the men's 3K final because it was at, like, you know, 10 past 10 or something like that. And got up and watched, um, like, Linden Hall in the morning because I think that was 6.30. But then last night I couldn't justify getting up at, like, 4 o'clock or whatever to watch the men's 1500. Yeah, so, but. But do you want me to – I'll whip through the women's results, if you like, from an Australian point of view. Mm. Um, yeah, like all the all the ladies performed really well. So Kat Bissett was fifth in the um, the women's 800 in 201. And like it was just like giving it a red-hot crack. Like at one point there, it looked like she was going to get into third place um, and just probably faded a little bit in the last 50. But, you know, fifth at World Championships, still a great result. Uh, Lyndon Hall was sixth in 406, which um, – I saw one of her interviews, I don't know, it might have been after the prelim, where she said, like, she realised that she wasn't in, like, the best shape, um, given, like, coming off the Olympics and, and may have had a niggle here and there. But, uh, you know, six is also, like, a really good result, especially given, like, she, you know, admitted that she wasn't in amazing shape. Um, women's 3K, Jess Hull was six, 8.44. Race was one in 8.42. Uh, so she was behind three Ethiopians, um, Puria St. Pierre, the U.S. Um, lady that won silver. She had silver, Yeah, Brady? she did, yeah. yeah. She split the Ethiopians. And um, and Stafford. And uh, the other Aussie was Lauren Ryan, who was 19th in 9.13. And I put that in there because there was only class in front of her, like world-class good runners in front of her. Yeah. She yep. um, And she it kind of – I'm interested with those comments about Lyndon because even though her and Jess were both six – Jess ran a completely different race. Like, Jess tried to, like, win it, and I think Lyndon probably knew her fitness wasn't there and tried to be the best mm. of that next pack and kind of sat back and then could come home strong. 
But I was so I put on Twitter like go back and watch that race of Jess Hull and just watch her the whole time. Such a messy race. I think there was was there twenty one people in it on a bank two hundred meter track. So messy. She covered every moves and then yeah, come home strong. But she had a really good crack to be as far up as she possibly could. It's one thing you you notice like because we have like zero experience in racing indoors because we don't have an indoor track in Australia. But you realise like how important tactics are. Mm compared to like like outdoor track um like just because like if you're running slightly wide there's so many bends on the like you know because it's a 200 meter track that you know you want to be positioned really well and um as you said like jess was being like you know it was real rough in the middle so you're almost better off being at the front or right at the back yeah i heard Um, someone say that that's where you want to be and then you've got beamish beamish said that oh was he that said that yeah and you've got to make quick moves like, you yeah. watch the guys who try to pass on the straight, and they go from mid or the back to the front because they just put this really quick 20 or 30 metres in. Like, their cadence just goes so quick for a short period of time. They don't, yeah, because they don't want to be out, like, you out get, in lane two on the You can't games. get in. You're screwed, aren't you? Like, yeah. you got to run at so extra distance. So that was the women's. Moose, you got the men's results? Yeah, I've got them written down, but, again, I'm not great at um, – I didn't, I didn't watch the races. But That's right. Coach, I'll watch some. We'll tell you. All right, for, for the gents in the 800, Charlie Hunter – he didn't make it through his heat. He was uh, he ran 149.07 to finish sixth in his heat. Um, Ollie Hoare ran fifth in the final of the 1500. So that's that's a solid result for Ollie. 343.3. Uh, comments on that race? 30, I didn't see it. 334.3. Yeah. What did yeah, I say? He put, it was an interesting race because um, Jakob, I think we all expected to win, but didn't. Uh, to Fury, is it correct? The Ethiopian? Yeah. Who won? Yeah. yeah. Who Jakob absolutely smoked a couple of months ago. Remember when he set the world record indoors? Mm. Um, and this guy, Tafiri, had the world record taken off him that night. And then it was Kip saying the Kenyan leading went really fast the first, probably two, three hundred, and then just stepped wide going around one of the bends and just let Jakob come through. And Jakob come through and then pretty much led up to 30, 40 metres to go, and Tafiri sat on in the whole way. Jakob just kept trying to increase the pace. Oli probably got spat out a bit the last four, 600, um, but hung on pretty well. He just couldn't go fast enough, just couldn't hang with them. And then, yeah, Tafiri just went past Jakob in the last 20, 30 metres, picked up the win. Thank you very much. A uh, bit of a shock, but I think, I don't know, I, th- I don't think Jakob wanted to lead Croaks. You'd, uh, you'd agree? That yeah. early in the race? That was a great move by the Kenyan just to let him come through. Yeah, but I think he still just backed himself that, you know, if you're the fastest guy in the field, like, mm. you can run a, you can run away from them. And he did and everyone think, by one. And I think that was his attitude, but I did listen to his post-race interview, and he said, like, normally he feels, like, a bit garbage up until 800, and then he often feels really good from 800 onwards, and he just didn't feel that. Like, he sort of knew that he was, you know, sort of struggling at 800 metres. Um mm. But I guess it's hard. Like, yeah, everyone just expects so much of him now that, you know, you finish second and, you know, he's disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Especially for the family. Uh, in the 3K, Matt Ramson, he he made the final, which was great. He ran 12th in it, 7.49. So still a solid run there. But um, 12th out of how many? How many were in the final? I think that's a pass mark, him getting through to the final. Yeah, like, I a lot think of good so guys well. didn't. Like, that's his first... That is, I think that's success. He went to world, did he go world champs with you in Doha? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. he did. Yeah, so he did. what, yeah. second singlet, second open singlet maybe um, to get through those finals, like hard races. Hasn't ran a lot of indoors either, Ramson, yeah. has he? 
No, I think, I that's, think that's success mark. for sure. That's yep. more than pass. I think the whole championships is like pretty successful. Like what? Yeah. What did we get? One or well, two fifths, two sixths, you know, him through to a final. Well, um, we had, but that's the distance community, but. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking about yeah. distance stuff. Had a couple of medals. A couple of medals. The fields too, didn't we? Yep. The, uh, was, I think they call it the heptathlon for the men when it's indoors and uh, the women's high jump. We got a silver. Mm. Very good. Do you know what I'm excited about? What are you excited about? I heard, about? well, so Jess Hull is coming back for Aussie Ch- Aussie Champs. Oh, really? Um, Ollie Hall is coming back for Aussie Champs. Uh, Charlie Hunter, I think, is coming back for Aussie Champs. So um, we sort of missed out last year um, with the whole COVID thing. Like, Ollie didn't come back for the, tri- like the Olympic trials. So all the all the big dogs are going to be at trials in two weeks' time. And, like, hopefully um, – Hopefully Stewie's fit and healthy, and he's there and Jai, and uh, it's going to be a good fifteen hundred for the men. Why are they coming back? Oh, I guess it's, it, it secures them. So if they win the trial okay. and have the time, yep. they're automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they need. Well, that'd be good, won't it? Mm. The worst thing about Australian Championships is though, like it's over like four days, and races are all over the weekend. Like imagine if they just went women's fifteen final, men's fifteen final. 5k 5k 3k steeple 3k steeple just half an hour of power distance events <laughs> that'd be good wouldn't it you just tune in for 30 minutes yeah, yeah. Where, where is it again sydney sydney yeah sydney yeah. you're gonna go watch croaks should go down there uh don't know yet too far to travel might, moose um, maybe i might be in wollongong that week there is no chance what, when is that going. wollongong race because i've got blokes from wollongong track club lining up to smash you at that race actually um yeah it's two they're it's up and about se- those boys they were listening Saturday, last week second of april so april. Well, that's yeah, next I'm weekend isn't it tempted yeah so not this coming weekend the one after yeah it's the same weekend as as um nationals yeah they're up and about the wollongong track club mm. that's the gong 5k yeah. Pillar Performance is sponsoring it. Yeah. They must, do, be, um, they must be giving a bit of money out of that, are they? No, I don't know. I think it's just product. Uh, you'd know, I reckon. He would have sent the email through, Moose. <laughs> I've got no idea. Can you pay for me petrol? <laughs> What's the prize money? Is any accommodation going? Uh, yeah. All right. He doesn't rock up for free, that's for sure. <laughs> Won't be rocking up. Anyway, that was that Melbourne Track Classic. Bit of a contrast watching this stream compared to the World Athletics one at the World Indoors, boys. This is pretty disappointing, this stream, I thought. Start with Steeple. Yamaguchi from Japan got the win there, 8.27. He beat Max Stevens, 8.30. Matthew Clark, Olympian Matthew Clark. Did a lot of leading, but then just fell mm. off the last couple of laps, ran 8.43. And considering he was probably with them with 500 to go, um, they put a bit of time into him over the last 500. So I hope all is good there with Matt. Um, the steeple moose. I think you watched this one. You were pretty happy. I watched with it. the I watched the ladies one. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about uh, that one. Earl Bucker. Let me just pull up the actual pronunciation. Sorry. Um, Real Erbucker came across. Looked very good down the home straight. Ran away from Georgia Winkup, also Olympian, and Stella Radford in third. But yeah, Real. She younger younger lady, and looks like a big future in the steeple. Hey, did um I didn't I just saw the results. Cara Fan Ryan, who yeah, usually she, wins she, it, did she fall? Or led, led, no, just led no. early and then and then fell off the back. Okay. Well, four hundred to go, she dropped off, mm. lost contact. Interesting, because yeah, I'd expect her to be definitely coming close to winning this one. Yeah, but well, that's a steeple yeah. for you. It's the same with yeah. Matt Clark and the men's. Yeah, yeah, you'd think he would have been right up there winning that race. 
Um, so that was a good one. And then the women's 15, this was a great race as well. Abby Caldwell got the win, 409.07. Nat Rule second, 409.1. Sarah Billings, 409.7. Nearly had to go to the photo finish there. They tried to pull Abby in, but just couldn't quite get her. Still a bit slow. I think she ran 404 a couple of weeks ago, so a bit slow, a bit more tactical. But, um, yeah, a good win there as well. Men's 800, James Preston won that in 147.3. He's a New Zealander. And then in the mile, this is the guy I was talking about the other week, fellas. We did a bit of leading in the Australian 3K champs, Mick Stanovzek. I said it's from Victoria. So he's just got that Australian citizenship, so still not sure what's going on there. He won the mile in 359.4. Callum Davies from Queensland was second, 359.5. Rory Hunter, your mate Croaks from um, Diagony of the Feet Track Club, or whatever you guys call yourself up there. <laughs> he was third in 400.19. From Team Telford, actually. Uh, Team Telford, sorry. Get those two elite squads confused up there. <laughs> um, and big news I'm hearing as well, a few things across my desk is uh, Melbourne University's got the checkbook out and they're paying big money for Mick to run for them this AV season. So, um, yeah, we might see him in a few of the AV races, which is pretty handy signing. But Melbourne Uni, pretty... pretty uh, you know, well known for doing that over the seasons. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes over the cross-country distances. So good win for him at the Melbourne Track Classic. Looked a bit shocking there, though, boys, didn't it? Small crowds, stream mm. wasn't great. Um, it's, not, it's not a good sign when they've got the chemist warehouse section set up at all the deck chairs and no one's actually sitting in them. <laughs> didn't, um, didn't really do a great job to sell our sport, I didn't think. Especially when we're talking about, like, hanging on to the momentum post-Tokyo Olympics. Mm. It was so spread out, I found as well. Like, I was looking at the timetable of all, of all the stuff that I wanted to watch, and it was like, you know, you'd have to wait 30 or 40 minutes until there was another distance event on. And um, to be honest, like, I sort of, like, I started just watching the rugby league. And because um, the good thing about the live stream is you can just go back and rewind and just watch the mm. watch the races. So um, I turned it off as well. Like, it, that, was, that's... it was hard to get up and about for just because um, – no disrespect to the athletes competed, but it wasn't, I don't know, like it's not the type of um, Grand Prix meet that you'd expect off well, the back of the Olympics. Well, it used to be as well, remember? It used to be huge, yeah. that Melbourne track meet. I know it's but, changed its name a few times. Where was everyone, though? How come? Well, like, a lot of them are overseas. But where was, like, most of Like, where's, like, Geordie Williams and stuff? Like, how come he's not, like, who else uh-huh. could possibly do the men's 15? Gregson. Gregson, Williams, Jai. The thing is, though, I, I actually tune in and watch a Vic Myler's meet or a or a Box Hill Classic or something like that. I'll, I'll tune in and watch that, even though the people are like, I might watch a 16-minute race. Hmm. because but, but I didn't really want to watch this. Like, I put it on and it just felt empty. Like, it felt like there was no atmosphere or... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to but me. But if that's if you're a bloke who does a run and podcast every week for 229 weeks, goes to the world championships to represent your country in this sport, if you're turning that off and feeling empty, how the hell are we trying to convince the punters who become mm. a Pete Bowl oh, yeah. fan over the Olympic two weeks, or become a fan of you know Sinead because they watch the marathon or someone like that? How are we then going to get that audience there? Yeah, no, we're no, screwed. That was... that, we're screwed. There's no way you yeah. can do that. And I but, think, but, I yeah, but we are doing good things, but more on a community, a community level, they're getting it right now. Like they're, they're, they're improving it. They're bringing in the, like the, the Box Hill meets are amazing for that. Mm, the Tiger right. meet, the Collingwood meet. Yep. There is good track racing going on now. 
I think it would be like we have park run and the road racing's getting bigger, so like the fun runs and stuff are always good. Hey, and there's a stream because a couple of years ago there were no streams at these kind of things, so like, yeah. we're making slow gains. But yeah, I still. And I guess I, I, I guess to be fair as well, like like we're we're more like distant. We're, we're more distance based as well, and like the longest of well, you know, there's the steeple three k, but there's no like three k flat race or a five k on the track, which is sort of the more like more the stuff that we tend to watch. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the athletes that we sort of, you know, expect to be there, um, you know, the mile was probably too short for them. Um, I think yeah. you'll find, though, that even the throwers, jumpers, sprinters didn't really enjoy the Oh, they the, were all the in the Facebook coverage saying there's no Yeah, yeah, there. not good. They were complaining about that, which I think they got like, every right to as well because you'd never really see it, do you? But those yeah. Box Hill, as, as you said, Moose, the Box Hill stuff, like, the you know, the fact that they're putting on multiple races on one night that are all seeded back to and, back to back and, and and it's quite deep like that's great to see mm. yeah that's going to be the future yeah. 5k meets like that 10k meets like that mm. yeah yep agreed uh new york city half marathon was over in new york city obviously last night our time their their sunday morning we had pat tin and, and brett robinson on the start list all I've got here, fellas, is Brett Robertson DNF. This is what he had written on his Strava. Another day, another stitch or something. Dot, dot. It's not food related. New York City half DNF. That was at 9.3K into the race. Haven't seen a result from Pat Tiernan. Um, wasn't listed in the results. Not sure if he started. Happy to hear more about it if you know anything. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, he didn't finish, so we don't... Do you know yeah. if he started? Uh, he started, yeah. He's got some results come up for him. He got it to like, I'll just show you, I'll just pull them up. So uh, I've got results for Pat until, so his first three, his first 5K, 14.22. So it was in that pack with Brett. Then he got to 10K, 28.55. And then he got to 9.3 miles, whatever that is. And 15K? Oh, big, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, the pace for that was 13.20. It looks like he's walked to that marker and gone over that marker walking because it was like 40 minutes of um, exercise. So, yeah, he, he obviously had a shocker too. Mm, not good. Brett's got no. a, like, what's he do about that stitch thing? That's the first time we've seen it at half, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was put down to the marathon, wasn't it? Mm. Like when he, he he always ran well in the halves. He was and nine k in, like that's like twenty seven minutes for him. Mm. Yeah, like the only thing that I'm thinking is I often get a stitch after going running a hard downhill. It messes with my breathing, and yeah. I like it's like almost hold my breath when my. But that's just all I've got. That's the only thing here is that sometimes when you run downhill. You, you get diaphragm issues or you get stitches because your breathing get, gets messed up. And do you think he's more sensitive to it now because he's experienced in the marathon? No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's no answers Jeez, here. I hope like, he sorts it out. Like for one of our best marathoners and well, obviously our very best half marathoner, like we can't have a stitch issue sorting it out for like yeah. sorting him out, can we? Like we want to see him at his best. Imagine if he could never get to his potential because of this issue. Yeah, yeah, some physical kind of mm, something that comes on. Yeah, I don't don't have an answer there. Hopefully, Pat's all good as well. Croaks, nothing to add there. No. Nah.
All right, fellas, now on to our um, Great Ocean Road Running Festival segment. Been doing this the last two weeks. Obviously spoke to Watto last week, and then the week before that, we're talking about details of the race week, which is just eight weeks away yesterday, so probably close to seven weeks if you're hearing this when this show goes out. This week, we're talking all about some marathon and half marathon tips for the race day, so hopefully there's some value in this if you're lining up for this event or any other half marathon or marathons in the coming future. Uh, Moose, you're the king down there. We spoke about the last couple of weeks. When you think Great Ocean Road, just the marathon, start off with tips, what comes to your mind? What jumps out to you? Because this would have some different tips than just general marathon tips. Yeah, it's a little different. It's a bit hillier than normal. There's Mm. there's no support on the road. So you've got a pretty lonely day out there. Like you might have some running buddies you're with, but... um, there's every chance you might spend a lot of time by yourself. And, and I think they're, they're things to focus on. So some hills, uh, obviously long run hills for, for me, conditioning to go up and down, especially down. There's a hill at the 30K mark where you, your, your biggest downhill, it comes off the back of Cape Patton uphill and you, you drop down probably two to three kilometres on a climb. I'll just pull it up. I've got it on my Strava here. So it's actually at the... Uh, the 27k mark is the hill. So you climb 26k mark, you climb 30 meters. 27k mark, you climb 31 meters. And then the, then you go downhill. So you drop 39 meters, 22 meters. So 2k downhill, which is pretty serious. And that's um, then you still have 15k to go after that. And, and a lot of people will, will, will bomb down that downhill because it looks pretty flat afterwards but their quads will cop that, especially if they're sort of, um, they're breaking down the hill. A lot of the time that can load the quad more eccentrically, create a bit more muscle damage, and you'll pay for that like half an hour to an hour later down the road. So, do so you, I, yeah, is your tip to put the brakes on down that hill? Don't bomb down it. Save no, no, the brakes I think will create more mu- muscle damage. Yeah. I think you want to fall down it, uh, not out of control, but you want to just, let gravity do its job and you you don't want to have these big over strides down the hill you still want to lie like basically land on your center of gravity but just in a falling like a controlled falling motion rather than big over stride whack down try to control your, your legs and 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 break almost control your speed down the hill will, will, will result in more muscle soreness and seven eight weeks out is probably the perfect time to start practicing those things as well because yep. you can, because you can, if you do go too hard and you do have those doms in the coming days, you still got enough time to get over it, practice again, like mm. all those kind of things. Whereas you don't want to be doing this 10, 10 days a week out because it can cause damage, which can, um, you know, obviously impact you so close to race day. That, that's right. I reckon now's the perfect time. And, and don't go crazy on it. So if you don't run hills uh, consistently, then I wouldn't go out and, and do every single long run over hills. I'd probably do it every fortnight. Make sure you're hitting some hills, um, some good areas. To, oh, I mean, everyone's in a different spot. But uh, as, a, as a guide, like for the um, Great Ocean Road Marathon, I had 440 metres of climbing on the last, the last time that I, I ran it. So I would aim to get about 400 metres for your 30K, 30 to 40K long runs, I reckon. So something around a similar amount of climbing, perhaps a little bit more. Uh, and then, um, like, not don't you don't have to do crazy steep ones. I think 
Lake Radisson Road has two big climbs in it. One at about the 7K mark, and then that, that one that I just talked about at, at Cape Patton. And, and outside of that, there aren't really steep, sharp climbs. So you don't need to go out and do like crazy trail running to get used to it, but you do want to add some hills and, and some climbs that are maybe five to 10 minutes long on your long runner. Yeah, and be prepared there because there's rolling hills. I've just got my Strava up from the half marathon as well. Like, there's going to be a massive um, range in your splits. So, like, mm-hmm. I know some people get real obsessive, and, and it's okay if when you do flat marathons that you want to run four minutes and 15 seconds per K for every one of the Ks. You can't do that on this course. Like, there's going to be, I'm just looking at mine, there's probably a, I think there's like a 30, a 37 second difference between my fastest and my slowest K. Um, yeah. and I'd, you know, I'm pretty good at kind of locking in, but it's a course where you can't lock in and hold it. So you kind of don't be a bit of a sucker to your watch. It's probably, I'm sure you'd, you know, this would have been your advice every time you won it was you've got to really run this course on feel, um, because you watch, yeah, your watch is no good with your K splits out there. Absolutely. And it's, and it can get windy. Mm. And as soon as you cop a bit of that headwind, then all, all of a sudden add some, add some seconds to the watch. I think it's the perfect race where you just turn your watch off. Maybe have distance on because sometimes you don't see the distance markers um, out there. I know they normally put them up every 5K, I think it is. Uh, but sometimes, like, I've missed them before, so it's handy to know exactly where you're at if you're going to take gels. And um, once you get past Cape Patton, you can kind of see Apollo Bay most of the time, so you know exactly where your finish line is. Yeah. So then it's just running for home. And the other point you made as well about it can get lonely and it's quiet yeah. and there's not many fun runs or, you know, mass participation marathons you do where there's very little crowd because it's such a unique situation down at the Great Ocean Road where people can't access the course. So if you're yeah. someone who relies on, you know, getting there, a bit of motivation from when they see the crowd or hearing a DJ playing music at, at what we do see in some of the big city marathons, you don't get this at the Great Ocean Road and it's a really weird feeling in a way because you can just hear your footsteps and you can hear the people's footsteps around you and it's like yeah. it's just you and the road and the beautiful scenery but that's so different to so many big events around the world and around australia yeah the, the ocean is the ocean is pretty incredible i'm not sure how many people like take it in outside the first couple of k of the race but it is like i know some of the the days i've been out there just by myself like during the race, just sort of lost myself looking at the surf spots and kind of forgetting where you're at because there is no one around you and there's no one like cheering or waiting for you to to run past or anything. Um, So you can lose your focus a little bit out there, but it's 44K. So it's, you're not going to, it's not like you're going to be on the edge the whole time. You're probably best off just finding your rhythm and, and not listening to your, not looking at your watch, just listening to, to what your body says is the right pace at that time. Yeah, and sometimes those distractions are good as well. Any other tips, Croaks? You've uh, ever coached anyone run, running this race down here, Great Ocean Road? Uh, I had one uh, one lady do it once before. But, like, I, so from seven weeks out, like, if you're looking at a normal marathon training program, like, from seven weeks out, like, every second Sunday, I'm probably doing some marathon-paced work in it. And so you've already touched on the fact that, like, I would still do that for this event, but it wouldn't be time. Like, I would just focus on marathon effort, and I would do it over rolling hills as opposed to, you know, doing it on the flat and trying to lock into a pace. So that's probably one thing that I'd do. Also, like, you know, a typical sort of marathon session is often like a 10-mile tempo. Rather than doing that on the 
flat, I would actually try and find like an undulating, um, an undulating course to do it on because there's a big difference between just going over hills on your long run at an easy pace versus actually doing it at a decent clip, which um, that's where you'll get the damage in your quads. And you probably want to have one of those sessions where you do pull up a little bit sore initially um, to condition your, condition your body for it. Yeah, especially this far out. Would you guys yeah. um, program in hill reps? Like should people be doing, you know, two, three, four-minute hill reps? Or you just stick to tempos over hills? You, you certainly could. I guess it depends how they fit in with their training. But I like... I like the tempo over hills because you practice downhill as well. It's 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 not just for um, like the VO2 benefit of going mm. uphill hard. You actually can, can can practice running downhill on a tempo run, and it's probably a little bit more um, specific to the, the the day. So I I actually prefer the tempo run to pref- to to prepare for a race like this. Yeah. And seven, eight weeks out, this is the time when, you know, I'd be organising kit, I'd be organising race shoes, I'd be organising gels, drinks, all those kind of things now because you don't want to, especially when you're getting stuff posted, like you don't want to leave it, better to be over, you know, organised and under-organised kind of thing. So I'd be looking at all those things now, practising mm-hmm. the gels, see how they sit in your guts, um, drinks, yeah, get organised yep. now so you can just concentrate on training for the last, because um, really what tape for the last two, mm-hmm. kind of got five, six weeks to go. This is the meat of it. If you're preparing for this race, you are in the thick of things as we speak. I think it's worth noting as well there that you might have to practice carrying your gels on this run. Mm. So just the, I think they do maybe have SIS out on the course. Uh, they, I don't think it's confirmed on the website, but they are the sponsor. Uh, and uh, it's just hard to know exactly. Like You're better off preparing to carry your own stuff. And so just investigating, like, um, what's what's the best way for you to carry your nutrition? Uh, if it is SIS, perhaps practice with some SIS gels before the race if you're planning on taking them at the stations. So, yeah. Yeah, because it's just got um, water listed on all the different drink stations at the moment yeah. on the website. And it I reckon says it, yeah, water will be provided on course and may also choose to carry your own sports drink or gels with you. Oh, so it might not. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't think, from reading that, they're not going to have any on course. So, But that's good because you can control that yourself. If you want to mm. do these races being in control of as many things as possible. Um, Very true. And then the course, I'm just looking at it like it's it's definitely hillier the first half, isn't it? Like, Absolutely, yeah. The once first you get half to 27K, you're rolling down to the finish line. <laughs> Uh, on this, the, this, there's still a few bumps, but it's not as it's not as heavy as the first. The first reckon, eight nine k looks way worse. Are you looking at the course on uh, the website? Yeah, elevation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that definitely makes it look nice. <laughs> um, I've 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 often looked at that and thought, oh gee, once you get down, it's flat. But <laughs> yeah. but um, when you look at like I've got mine here up from my runs, the first half is is hillier. Uh, it's probably only flat from the 41k mark to the 44k mark, I'd say. There's even a little hill at like 41k. Mm. Um, but th- th- there's also a, a hill, like a, it's just, it's just no real flat sections to the course. Not really. 488 metres elevation. That's what it says? That's what did you have on your watch? 440, so yeah, about the same. Jeez, your watch is good. I always thought when I did the half marathon, that was pretty hilly. My watch got at 350 metres for the 
for the half, and it's actually only 167 metres. Yeah, well, we know about your watch. <laughs> your watch has been looking that's, after you for the last time. That's my old watch, mate. That's back in 2016. Mm. This year with the Coros, it'll be a bit better. Hey, so, Moose, quick question. The years that you won this, because I'm thinking about it from a setting yourself up for the rest of the year. Like, if you're training over all these hills and then you're doing, like, a hilly marathon, like, you're going to come away from that. Yeah, obviously, you've run a marathon, so you're going to be a bit beat up, but you should come away from it probably a lot stronger than you would if you're training for a flat marathon, and then you can take that form into um, the rest of the winter. Yeah, it is, it's brilliant for that. Mm. I, I love it. I used to love training for it because it suited what I like doing, just getting out in the bush over hills on Sundays. And because there was none of that real fast marathon pace, I never did a lot of that training for it. So I would train a little bit more traditionally and, and, and I could train with the group more. So I wasn't out doing four by 5K at like 320s or whatever. I was I was running on a Saturday. I'd do a hill workout with the guys or I would I would do a, a fart look on Tuesday with the group, track, track reps on Thursday. So I actually preferred to, um, to train for these. Uh, and you're right, it does set you up for a more specific faster marathon later in the year. Did you hear the news out of uh, Instagram today as well? Did you see this? Big Simon no. doing the marathon. Oh, oh I, I did Earl. see this. You did I see did it. See Nick this. Earls cancelled Manchester <laughs> Marathon and committed to the Great Ocean Road Marathon. Do you know the funniest thing? The record thing holder. Was... He'll be chasing that three thousand dollar first prize. Hope Ash Watson's going okay when he hears that news. Big funniest showdown thing about coming. all this is Nick at one stage thought that he might go to the Commonwealth Games for any particular distance. <laughs> Like he fully thought that he was going to go, and then they told him you've got to run two twelve, and he's like, "Oh, hey, he's got oh, a quicker PB than you, and you went oh, to the world no. champs." We're the, we're both in the same. We've got the same chance of going to the Com Games, me and him, right now. Yeah, well, that segment was brought to you by the 2022 Kiza Great Ocean Road Running Festival. Take a, take on Australia's most stunning running event this 14th and 15th of May. Uh, Moose on the loose, purchase of the week, rules of Strava. Oh, mate, I've been off Strava. Like, oh, actually, I went on Strava. Did you guys see Sunday? Big oh, paddle. Yeah. You put a paddle board on. Have a look at that. So surely, you, surely you can delete that from Strava, couldn't you? Imagine, no, imagine, no. If, imagine if we had done oh, exactly. that, Brady. Did you see how good that paddle board was? Actually, boys, did you see I went Instagram live one morning? No, no I didn't. Oh, oh, that was a good I'm so glad I missed mate. that as well. How many did you, <laughs> have, you have watching three? Seven. And... <laughs> I just gave them a good sunrise out in the ocean. Jeff. I actually, I actually knew, know someone. They told me this last night. They accidentally gave you kudos thinking it was a run, that paddle, and then they actually went back and took the kudos away because they're like, yeah. nah, we're not kudos in this. I can tell you those boys being 1K plus out to sea, but on the outer reefs, wild country out there. And I I'm just swear- out there on one little piece toothpick. I mean, on there on a toothpick. You've had moose on the looses before saying don't upload stuff like this. Keep it off No, no. I said endurance activities that, that like, endurance activities go up. That is an endurance activity. Was it death on a stick, moose? Mate, I I went out at Addis just behind bells. You know, I'm paddling, a bit of swell, southeast. Had some runners. I I even put a leg rope on this time because I thought, if I'm out here and somehow get knocked off my board by a great white, I'm just, I'm going to need a leg rope. But anyway, about an hour, 10 minutes of paddling, pretty pretty solid. Did you go point get... to point? Did you get dropped out there and yeah, then paddle no, home? Yeah, I, I, um, Bree went and rode her bike to pick my car up later. Did you get point sore? 
I got sore. Oh my god, my neck is fucked. Yeah. Like just you gotta you gotta raise your neck the whole time. Yeah. Um. So I would do two k stints. So I'd paddle for two k and then I'd sit up and have a bit of a stretch and um and then I look around and feel good about myself. Did you take your go. phone? No, not this time because the swell was a bit big. Gnarly swell. No, it wasn't gnarly, but it was a, it was a big enough where I knew that if I got a wave over me. The phone was going, the phone wouldn't last. Did you see any kooks out there? There was some kooks where I first paddled out, for sure. I went past the kooks. Um, they give you any lip or anything or not? Good kooks? No, I give them lip. Do you? I, I give them lip. Tell they're them to go lip. in. Like, nah, in before you get right. killed, you kooks. I just, I just roll past, like, with my 12-footer, 12-foot paddleboard. They've never seen anything like it. Is there respect like, for someone like that, riding that thing out there? They don't understand it. Yeah. They don't, I'm misunderstood. They think you're the a <laughs> I think they do. But they don't know what sort of adventure I'm going on. So the rule of Strava segment is you're, it's okay to upload those things. Is that what you're if doing? It's endurance you activity, if it's an endurance activity, for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, the segment, I'm still not brave enough to hit this one yet. But I'm going to give you – I'm going to throw it out there so people can start framing their own opinion on it. And then I'll introduce it when, um, when I feel brave enough. Transgender athletes in sport. There it is. Hope you do your research. <laughs> it's a tough one. It is a tough yeah. one. I actually, I don't have an opinion either way because I don't have enough knowledge to have an opinion. There's knowledge in science out there. I know, yeah, that, yeah. Do you know who does a lot of stuff on it? Um, Ross, Ross Tucker. Tucker, yeah. I'd yeah. trust whatever he says. What's he say? What's his side of things? No, he's very much like on the side of the... Oh, the terms are going to be difficult here. Um, he yeah. like, like, do you want to pause it and you can tell me next week when you actually do it? Oh, I don't have time okay. to research it and make well, it respectful. I just want it researched and I want it respectful so there's no back. Uh, basically, like, the, the ladies... Something have happened been, in swimming, didn't it? Didn't a transgender yeah, swimming, athlete but win a swimming race? There's been a few uh, instances lately. Like, it's not... It's not but this was an. This was. I think the incident you're referring to was. It was a. It was a. Um, an athlete who had sort of changed genders from from male to female, I guess, or or competed in the women's and the men's gender first, and he was he was not very good at swimming, and then he changed to the ladies' gender, and he um, he he won by a mile, I think, or she did. Sorry. Uh, yeah, this is going to be. This is a tricky one, fellas. I'm not quite ready for it. That's why I've got another week to research it. Get your facts straight. Got to get my pronouns and everything right. Uh, what's coming up, Croaks? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, a bit of training. What's the super session this week? Uh, I think I'm going to do hills tomorrow and uh, maybe just a, a continuous tempo somewhere on Friday. All right. That'd be all right. Moose, what are you doing? Uh, I'm going to start trying to run again. So, yeah, go about 20 minutes. Might do an epic paddle. Might go to Tasmania or something. What are you doing, Brady? Uh, not much. Craig's doing a bit of training. Um, nah, not much. Life's just so routine when you've got kids, hasn't it? Like, every day is like pretty, pretty set, pretty similar routines, and you just get through. What's your next major marathon? Uh, nah, I don't think, oh, I don't know. I feel like you're building. I feel like you're building. I feel like we're getting towards, you know, you'll be doing two hours. I'm just trying to get fit. You'll be doing two hours on a Thursday soon. You'll be doing two and a half hours every Sunday. I do think that conversation I had with Rab, that interview, I think we have got complacent in thinking a long run should be two hours. 
Like, I do think yeah, there's yeah. value in doing two and a half, two fifteens, two twenties pretty regularly, like year round. And I often feel as well that when I'm building for a marathon, I am that fit that I could run a PB over like five, ten, half. And sometimes I actually think I'm like, oh, I wish this marathon wasn't coming up because I wish I could use this fitness for like more than one race. So I think I do run really well off higher mileage. Um, so yeah, on, I'm the, trying, on the flip side though, yeah. you see a lot of good athletes run fast, like not so over the marathon, but five, ten k off hour forty five to two mm. to two hours, no more than that. Yep. Um, but you got to realize, I, I mean, my goals are for the longer stuff. Like I've, I'm happy yeah. with my five and ten k, and I think that is one of my one of my weaknesses. When I had that chat with him, I was thinking about it. I am very good at going. All right, fourteen or twelve weeks of the marathon. Let's start up in the long run. Start doing some longer stuff, um, and it's probably. If you only do that twice a year, maybe I've only been doing it once a year, like you're only really doing longer training for 12 of the 52 weeks. Yeah. So I reckon. Yeah. I'm so just trying to sign, bet fit. A sign for me when I knew I was actually like really like marathon strong was you would get to two hours and you'd actually still feel like you're full of running in that last half an hour. And then you'd actually drop back to doing a two-hour run, and it w- and it would feel the equivalent of like your normal hour easy run. Mm, yeah. Whereas, yeah, and so you don't get to that point unless you start doing two hours, fifteen, two and a half hours. Because, like, I know at the moment, like, I get to an hour forty-five, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm looking forward to finishing this run now. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if I was to push out to two fifteen, two twenty for a few weeks, then go back to two hours. Two hours would feel really easy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for me, I don't have the hill factor. So I've got to be like, well, can I put these long runs out 10 or 15 minutes to make up for what I'm lacking with the hills? Probably need to put them out more than that. So, mm. um, no, nah, but I won't run a marathon. I'm going to, like, I'm pretty much, yeah, locked to do the AV season, the 10 rounds there. Gonna, Gold Coast? Yeah, oh, yeah. We I'm booked, like, so I'm, I'm booked for Gold Coast. Yeah, we booked flights yesterday, Gold Coast. Going at, well, yeah. How long are you going up there for? I'm out for a week. So I'm, we're flying up on the Friday and back on the Friday. Oh, yeah, well, we're going Thursday to Thursday. Yeah, nice. We should go to theme parks or something one day. Take the kids yeah. to Movie World or something. Yeah. You going up, Moose? I think we're going to SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Nah, they don't treat animals real good there, do they? I don't know. Mate, you can't go supporting that stuff. <laughs> nah, I'm sure they do the right stuff. Are you going up Gold Coast, Moose? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to wait until we see how the body is. Business trip, Moose? Business trip. Well, I don't know. Is You're it... an employee. <laughs> is it a business trip? I don't see yeah, it. We'll do a live show up there. A live show? Oh, do we have to? Are you going to do it? Are you going to zoom in? We'll get Zacker onto that. Get playing Zacker if you listen to this. Yeah, we got it all set up last year at a venue. And I was pretty keen to come until you blokes started talking about going to theme parks. Oh, you haven't been invited to the theme parks. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Just Bray and Pierre can come to the what theme a, parks. What, <laughs> a venue, what, what a venue you going to do, Bray? Yeah, I'm going to do the half. Yeah. yeah. Nath, Archie and I are all doing the half so we can train together for it and stuff. Yeah. So that should be good. And then I'm thinking the Launceston 10. Three Musketeers. Three, what did, did you see what Nath ran yesterday? 66-14. Broke your PB. He broke my PB. Took two seconds off my PB. <laughs> on Wangaratta as well. That is the shocking course to run that fast on. And he did it like a tempo run. I just said to him, just jog until 16K and then put the foot down. So we, um, he's a freak, that guy. He's going to have a big season over uh, cross-country stuff. So anyway, I'm going to do all that. No marathon. Maybe I'm, I may be tossing up Valencia late in the year. I liked I liked the December marathon last year. Mm. Something about that. Then you just have, you know, three or four weeks off over Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you about this week's interview. Uh, Michael Marantelli, you know him, boys? You know Mara? Yeah, he's been, he's been around for a while. He has been around. He's been around for a long time, Michael Marantelli. Long-time Patreon supporter of ours as well. From nearly day one, I reckon. PBs, 347, 
14, I think he ran 14.20, but when we recorded this, it was 14.21, and he ran 2.20 with me at Melbourne that day. He finished about 10 seconds in front of me. Um, made a big jump in his marathon, though. He went from 2.24 to 2.20. He's also an AFL boundary umpire, one of the best in the country. Um, always spot him on TV. Yeah, I think he's umpired the last three AFL grand finals. So we talk about how he balanced his training with uh, with that kind of job. And then, yeah, some good yarns about pro races. He's done a lot on the pro circuit as well, won a few sashes at stall. And, yeah, some good chats in there. Really enjoyed this chat with, with Mara, as we call him. So I hope the listeners get a lot out of this. And we're done, boys. See you next week. Nothing else to Have add? Have a good week. No, I think we're good. Same to you. Good luck with the injury, Moose. Thank you. I'll be all right. Thanks. You'll be all right. All right, see you. See ya. Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand, Pillar Performance, is leading the way when it comes to high-strength formulations to support running performance. Pillar's range is purposefully formulated to support optimal recovery, elevate energy production, relieve joint inflammation, and boost immunity. Pillar has become the choice of Australian sport thanks to their formulation quality and batch testing program. Currently working with Ben St. Lawrence, Izzy Bat Doyle and Riley Cox, along with more than 30 professional sporting teams across the country. Pillar's range is led by Motion Armor, a revolutionary joint inflammation and longevity formula, perfect for those with a high training load on the track, trails or road. When it comes to recovery, their best-selling triple magnesium powder is leading the way, featuring three forms of bioavailable magnesium to optimize recovery, improve sleep and have you backing up after every session. The Pillar team has an exclusive offer for Inside Running listeners. Head to their website and use the code INSIDERUN to receive a free sports bottle and travel tin valued at $15.99 with any purchase. To redeem this offer or for more information on Pillar Performance and their range of sports micronutrition, head to pillarperformance.com.au. All right, this week's guest on the Inside Running Podcast has impressive PBs and range with a 347 1500 metres and a 220 marathon next to his name. He juggles his running with being an AFL boundary umpire who has umpired 262 AFL games and five grand finals. And I think he has won more handicapped professional races than anyone else I know. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Michael Marantelli. Cheers, Brady. Thanks for having me and thanks for that intro. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was doing some research about you all day today. I've been watching some old professional races, a bit of tape on YouTube and things like that. So I'm looking forward to this what chat. What an exciting morning you've had. I know. When Tuesday's my favourite day of the week, I get to do this kind of research. So, yeah, I was uh, going down memory lane in a few of them there and really enjoying some research time here because we've known each other for a long time, Mara. I'm trying to think when we first, maybe early 2010s, 11, something like yeah, that. I remember then. racing you a few times. Fierce rivals back in the day. Yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Hey, um, today is a race day for you. You're prepping for the Box Hill Burn tonight. Your PB is 14.22. What does race day look like for you? And is that PB going to go down tonight? Uh, yeah, you put the pressure on asking that. It's like, uh, can we like record two answers? One where I say, uh, no, nah, it's just a, just a you know, rust buster and, and one where I say I'm in great shape and then just, just pick whichever yeah, one comes pick, out. Pick the one, yeah. Yeah, um, hopefully the PV goes down. I think that's about where I'm at. Um, race day, not too much. Um, like most do these days, I did a 15-minute shakeout in the morning. Um, yeah, 
grab some food or you know lounge around and kind of do a bit of work here and there and then um yeah get off to box hill well before start time and yeah then just get in a watch watch probably watch joy run some fast time get a bit of a jog in and yeah hopefully uh run pretty quick myself do you still get nervous these days like you've been uh you know, running at a pretty high level for a long time now. Like, do you get nervous on race day and start lines? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think everyone does. I think it's, you're probably not going to perform well if you don't. Um, but probably manageable nerves. Like, you know, I'm not, mm. I'm not shitting myself on the start line. I'm, you know, feel, feel confident and ready to go. Um, but, yeah, certainly if it means something to you, you should have a, a few nerves there. Yeah, cool. So you want to throw out a time because this is going to go out after your run. So, like, let's say, look in your crystal ball, 14.05, 14.10? No, no, that quick. I don't think that would be. Yeah, I reckon you can go that quick. I don't think so. Your speed and your strength. I think I think you're in that kind of shape. Yeah, I think five k is always been a tough one. I think either I either really like hurting a lot
it's funny because I've got the same story. I had to fill out my um, the Herb Hederman nomination today, the stall coming up in a few weeks, and it said their 800-meter PB, and I went to my – because I actually don't know what my PB is. Yeah. And I looked on my IWF profile, and it just got my like season's best of like two minutes, and I'm like, I swear I've run quicker than that, but I'm not sure when or where. And then um, I think I've definitely run quicker over the pro, like the handicap stuff. I yeah, think that's where my best work's done as well, over 800 metres. So I can definitely relate there. But um, if Moose, Moose was on now, I'm sure he'd tell us to pull our heads in and stop talking about pros. So. Nah, well, well, this is going to be an opportunity later on as well to kind of explain because I feel like, well, maybe we can do a bit now because there's a lot of listeners like you guys have mentioned pros and amateurs like a few times already here. But the professional and amateur running in Australia You'll be able to correct me here because I know your family's got a lot of history in it. But it was one or the other back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, wasn't it? Like yeah. if you're an amateur runner and you went to the Olympics and you ran on the track and all those kind of things, you couldn't run for money. So there was the professional system, which was handicap races with bookies, things yeah. like that, prize money. Um, so it was one or the other. So that's where this like pros versus amateurs kind of terminology come yeah. from. And, and then I think they it, lifted I think that. It happened maybe some point, some point in the 80s, I think, where they combined um, but, yeah, back in the day, the pros, um, it was a big deal and people kind of raced for legitimately big money and, um, you know, the bookies were a big thing. Um, you know, obviously these days it's, you know, relatively small fry um, and, you know, you can do one or the other. But, yeah, back in the day it was, uh, you know, if you if you run in the pros, you certainly weren't going to inter club and running a, an 800 on the weekend. Mm. Yeah, you only got one choice. Yeah, and now it's like I think guys like Moose that you're talking about, like they see the pro stuff and they just get a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they think it's like not legit because you're not running the whole distance and things like that as well. But, we'll, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the pro results that you've had um, a bit later on in the chat. But let's go to 1,500. One of your most impressive PBs, I think, the 347 from 2016. It was in December. Was it at the Zatapec meet? Uh, no, it was another Box Hill one. It was the okay. miles just before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Who won it that day? Can you remember? Uh, there was a, an American guy, actually. He might have been here to run Zadipek. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was um, uh, he was a pretty accomplished runner. I think he uh, it was either must have been just before, must have been uh, just after, and maybe he was just going to have a hit out. And I think he, um, I think uh, Clarky actually paced. He'd, Clarky'd run the eight hundred uh, earlier that night, and I think Renault's coach at the time made him pace pace us for the first six or eight hundred. Um, and then this American guy took over and pretty much just ran even 60-second laps, and there's a few of us trying to hang on at that pace, and I kind of held on for most of it to run 3.47. I think Bucks, Ben Buck, oh, yeah. ran past me in the straight. So he, back when I used to be able to compete with him, now he's going to the Olympics, but um, yeah. I think I think he ran 3.47 that night as well. And were you third? Uh, I think I was either third or fourth, maybe... Maybe one of the Knox guys with the enemy as well. Yeah. 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 It's a good company there. Uh, 3K, 820. Any stories about that one? I assume it's like a Vic Miles club, get on the train, was, go fast. I was actually looking at all my TVs. It's like I've traveled a fair bit for races and stuff, but they all seem to be Vic Miles yeah. in Victoria pretty just much. So maybe I should not bother wasting my time traveling for events. But yeah, I think that's just another, the December or November, sorry, 3K Vic Miles. Yeah. And then the 1422 was this time last year, Box Hill Burn. Um, I think Moose did what he run that day? 1423 yeah, or something. I reckon he was right here. He ran 1423, I think. Yeah, okay. So he got him down the home straight as well, which is exactly nice. Right. You guys had Liam Adams pacing you for a bit that day too, didn't you? Pacing your pack? Uh I think yeah, yeah. Liam Liam held with us for a bit and then Moose was out in front of 
and Liam left us, said, you boys will be right, and went and helped Moose, who was by himself at the time. And, oh, and then we ended up, up. ended up catching that group anyway. Yeah, okay. And that was one of the ones where you felt all right at 3, 4K and come home yeah. strong? Yeah. Exactly right. I think that's, um, yeah, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, I think uh, we were probably on 14, 30 pace and then just kicked home the last K, basically. Yeah. Um, and then the 10K, I've got you down at 30.11 from Bendigo. 2021 i could uh, i was, I was going to message you i'm like what race was this is this true nah, not, it's yeah it's at abafaldi um not bendigo i'm not sure the uh that's written have you noticed that on your profile as well <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah google myself obviously uh <laughs> no, I, looked, <laughs> I did look at my time for this interview and i did notice that that inaccuracy um oh that's so, yeah, I'm, was, I'm happy with that because when i looked at it i'm like i yeah, never remember marrow running this in bendigo yeah. and i'm like maybe like a vic countries but no i def okay i'm glad i'm i wasn't wrong there because that was confusing me yeah yeah is that a peck b at abba's um last year um and yeah i think uh nick baggett paces through 5k going 15 minute pace and then I think I found myself uh, all, all alone sort of battling away for those next 3K, slowing down a bit. And then uh, Michael Kernahan came past and, and and picked me up and took me through to the last last lap, really, and I kind of kicked home over the top of him to, yeah, to, to miss the, the sub-30. But, um, but, yeah, Get got the win. Yeah. Yeah, well, close to sub-30. Like, surely that's a bit of a goal now when you've got 30 yeah. 11 next yeah. to your name. Yeah. Probably I mean, a matter yeah. of time. I'm a bit embarrassed about the uh, not having broken thirty, but it's uh, it, it's a I think it's a psychological barrier as much as anything. It's mm-hmm. uh, and I mean yeah, it's obviously right on my limit. And every time I run a ten k, the, the the goal is break thirty. And then um, you always look you know, if you look at your watch after five k and you, you're hurting a bit or you're off the pace, it becomes a bit disheartening. You're like, oh, what's the, what's the point if I'm not going to break thirty tonight? And the maths are so easy as well. Like if you know your three yeah. times times three times tables, yeah. you know exactly where you yeah, are. You can't trick and, yourself yeah. into oh maybe maybe it's looking better than it is. The opportunities for ten k's in Australia are also hard to break thirty. Like you know you kind of can't get a start in the Zadapek like unless you're running the twenty nine forty five. So it's like okay where do you go? And then maybe on the roads at Launceston there's a good opportunity, but it's hard. I know Michael Kernahan who you just spoke about did it solo. Yeah. B grade Zatapec this year. I think he was twenty nine, was he twenty nine fifty two or something like that. Um, I think he, he got under pretty easy in the end. So that's the other side of it. Like, where do you go and do yeah. it? Like, it's hard. I was thing kicking to myself a bit that I didn't do that one, but um, I didn't quite think I was ready, and I didn't think I didn't think anyone was going to be able to do that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, that's amazing for someone in, you know at similar level to us to be able to do that solo. It's uh, not something I see myself doing. It was uh, yeah, pretty pretty good effort by. Hopefully that event now takes um because Steichen kind of had it for a while like that kind of semi elite or sub elite kind of um 10k race where you could you know have a crack at that sub 30 and now yeah because Kernis has gone out and done it I know it's the same thing I had an athlete I coach run the Vic countries and because we thought no one would do the B grades yeah. back and he ran 30 30 solo and it's like oh we knew that was going to be that quick we would have put you in that one but um yeah it's it's certainly a goal I'm sure you achieve pretty soon just getting the opportunity to do it will be the next yeah. thing and once you, like i remember i had that pb real similar pb for years and stuff as well and always wanted to break 30 and then you do it and you're like it's not actually that big of a deal yeah. like years and years you're like i yeah. just want to break 30 and then you run like yeah i ran 29 34 i remember driving home and just being like oh well yeah. life's still exactly the same yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in the whole scheme of things i'm still a shit kicker 
But yeah, exactly right. Like, yeah, there's not a huge difference in the races you're going to get into, or you're not signing a contract the minute you dip under 30 yeah. or anything like that. Uh, the half marathon, 67.24. I reckon this is your weakest one. No offense, weakest yeah, yeah, PB. That's, that's fair. You're okay with that if I make that comment? And I yeah. think it's your weakest one because half marathons are always in the middle of the year. Yeah. And you've, uh, you've got a job as an AFL umpire, yeah. which is basically hard to do half marathons. Yeah, mostly opportunities. I've probably only run a few, to be fair. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, it's another COVID-related one. You know, since I've kind of focused a bit more on longer distances, um, you know, I think that was from 2019. I, I don't think mm. I've run a half marathon since or maybe oh, I ran the Hobart one, which is, you know, obviously a bit slower. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, that's obviously plenty of room for improvement there. Yeah, that was at the Gold Coast. Did you umpire that weekend? Like how did you end up getting that? Uh, so that would have been, I think I probably umpired on, you know, there must have been a Thursday night game, I reckon. Yep. I must have umpired that. And then um, the half was on Sunday. So I probably had the Thursday to Sunday break. So pretty okay. generous. Yeah. Yep. And then the marathon, uh, December this year, 2-20-33, seventh position at the Melbourne Marathon. Uh, about 10 seconds in front of me, I think. I got a good view of it. We had some fun out there. Your yeah. second marathon, you ran 2.24 before that over in Austria, I think, in 2019. So a good four minutes off your best. Tell us about uh, your thoughts on that performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Importantly, beat the bike that was eight, so that was good. There <laughs> um, wasn't uh, much between us three at the end there. We're all just you know, that same yeah. gap between six, seven, eight. Well, yeah, that pack um, um, held together for a pretty long time. So, that, yeah, that, that was good. Um, yeah, it was a, a brilliant day. Like, I think we've all spoke about it at the time it was everyone's first race for such a long time um you know the the vibe at melbourne marathon was pretty unreal it was kind of um it was before all the cases kicked off here as well so everyone was feeling pretty safe about things as well so it was um it was just brilliant to be, be out there and you know um as was yeah mentioned before we held a pretty consistent sort of just about 220 pace a bit slower for pretty much the whole way and you know, couldn't really go any quicker at the end, but I was kind of holding it together all right, and I, I think I ran basically even splits the whole way. So, um, yeah, would a perfect world would have been under two twenty, but um, you know, it was only my second marathon, and I obviously took a, a decent amount of time off the first one. So, yeah, I was I was certainly pretty happy with the effort. Yeah, you must have been what one second positive split, or, or pretty much spot on even. Uh, yeah, I must have been seventy. 15 and then 70 18 maybe yeah yeah so even and like your shape going in i remember um zach and newman called it probably six weeks out and he just sent me screenshots of your strava pretty much every three or four days he's like mara is in shape like he is going to smack this out of the park at melbourne in a few weeks time like he picked it early and you must have been really happy with like your preparation leading into that yeah uh certainly the you know again kind of ties in with the umpiring the, the move from uh, a Melbourne marathon being October to December certainly helped me a lot. Um, I was kind of always probably going to do Melbourne, um, the marathon that is, but um, just because there was no other races with COVID. So if I wanted to do a marathon, it was going to be it, but it was going to be you know pretty much on the, the back of the footy season within a week or two. Um, so it was going to be pretty tough to train for it properly. So yeah, when I got the extra you know 14 weeks or whatever it was, um, it meant that I could do it. A proper marathon block, which was basically my first marathon block um, I'd done before, and um, yeah, it was yeah allowed me to have the pretty ideal preparation. And you know, I, I did like as a, a relative novice to marathon running, uh, doing a few of those 
you know, what looks like super sessions on Strava. They, they obviously, you know, get a lot of kudos and look pretty good. But, um, you know, doing the 5 by 5 k or, you know, uh, you know, some 38k run with session at the end and all that sort of business um i found it gave me heaps of confidence knowing that yeah i can handle this distance i can you know i can run this pace at, on tired legs and that sort of thing so yeah it was i was relatively confident having even though i hadn't done it before i was pretty confident i could slice a big time off my previous marathon and go close to that 220 mark yeah and did you um like self-coach that build up or did you have someone helping you or like yeah, um, how did you come up with that because it's it was pretty um like you'd nearly call it standard now wouldn't you like a lot yeah. of people are doing the same kind of marathon workouts leading in whereas three or four years ago maybe not like maybe josh harris was the only guy doing that kind of stuff yeah. and moose kind of dabbling in it a bit and then yeah now it's kind of like well everyone kind of does the longer reps with the float yeah. in between and then workouts at the end of long runs and um yeah where did it come from for you yeah, I think it's mostly just from that, like, you know, the sharing of knowledge now, everyone looking at stuff on Strava. And obviously you can't just, you know, the worst thing you can possibly do is just look at someone else's Strava and copy it. But, um, you know, you, you, you're taking all of that information and then adjust it to yourself really, um, you know, to come out with and then, you, you know, you do one and you see how that feels and you make adjustments and all that sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, so I've, been coached by Mark Hitworth for you know since I started running properly he's a you know a bit of a pro legend legend um focused more on the on the track um and so you know I still I kind of guess I'm technically still coached by by Hippo and um you know still involve him in his in my decisions and you know consult with him talking about training but um you know in terms of training for marathon stuff like that it's kind of um yeah mostly just you know, self-coached with, um, you know, with guidance from Hippo when here and there when I ask him. Yeah, and were you doing those workouts solo, like, yeah, by yourself in Melbourne? Yeah. Um, That's yeah, pretty impressive, think, yeah. Uh, I might have got, you know, um, one of my umpiring mates, Shane Teeley, who's a bit older, a pretty good runner um, back in the day. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this on, you know, Saturday if you're looking for a session, come down and, you know, I might have run two hours before I was doing 1K reps and then he'd just jump in for the, the reps or, yeah. you know, if I was doing 5 by 5K, he might run the first, you know, 2K, the first two lots of five with me or something like that. But um, primarily um, by myself, yeah. Yeah. So can you walk us through, like, what did a week? Because we've got a lot of listeners, like, interested, you know, you jump from 224 to 220, second marathon, hilly course at the end there as well. It's probably worth <laughs> 217, 218, I reckon. So, um, yeah. but, yeah, but tell us about... What would a Monday through to, and I know every week's different, but a kind of Monday through to Sunday as kind of standard yeah. as you can possibly put it for me? So for that block, I was, um, you know, obviously at that point, I'm not worrying about footy. I'm not worrying about training for any track races or anything. So it's pure, yeah. pure marathon. Running pure. only, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was doing two sessions a week, uh, just standard Tuesday, Friday, and long run Sunday. Um, Tuesday might have been, you know, still so not necessarily on the track, but track type reps might be doing, you know, 10 by 800 or, you know, 1K reps or, um, you know, 2400s or whatever, that sort of stuff, just off yeah. relatively short breaks. It's still kind of what you'd call speed work for a marathon. Um, Friday would be more your standard fartlek or um, a threshold. So, again, pretty standard stuff. And then Sunday, just your probably long run, getting up to two and a half hours. Um, and I tend to get a bit quicker um in my long runs and um yeah kind of start at 4 30 pace and be running 345s 350s by the end of it 
Um, and then, so that would typically say that's one week. And then the next week I might do similar sort of Tuesday session. Um, but then on that Friday, um, might make that the real marathon. So every two weeks I was kind of doing like the real big marathon session. Um, you know, we're talking, yeah, yeah, 6K, 5K, 4K, 3K, 2K, 1K, something like that, or, um, you know, your 5 by 5K or, you know, you, you run two hours and then, and then, you know, 10 by K or something like that. Um, sort of the, the, the runs that get up towards close to that 40K mark. Yeah. Um, and you're so doing, doing tired legs as well, aren't you? Like yeah. I saw some of your Ks, you know, you're kind of tapping out at, you know, 200 Ks a week, some of those weeks there. So there's a lot of easy jogging yeah. in between to, to yeah, tire exactly. the legs. That's basically doubling most days. And um, yeah, I probably was pretty consistently around the 180 mark. I did I did run a, a 200 plus K week one week, but that was pretty much just because I, I got to 195 and thought, well, I might never do this again. Home. So cause yeah. I've got to go out for a half hour jog to get 200. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Don't go chasing Ks, but when you're that close, you have yeah, to. Yeah, tick it off. Is that, is that the first 200K week you've done? Yeah, yeah, yeah it might well it be off. the only one ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. And then how many weeks did you do, like a 12 or a 14 week kind of build around that? How, how long did you have since like the AFL grand final over in Perth through to, you know, for you to be able to click into like full-time running kind of mode because you're always juggling the footy umpire and yeah, you know, I nearly think year more- round. I think it was 14 weeks from the, that grand final day to um, to marathon day. So it was kind of perfect, perfect amount of time. And I, I had kind of, um, you know, done some when the marathon was potentially going to be in October. I had kind of the July and August, I had started to do a, a summer longer work, but I was still kind of juggling with footy and still, you know, umpiring is um, kind of a bit more speed-based, more like a 1,500-metre type training. So, still kind of combining with that and kind of focused on that. Um, so I was kind of had done some longer stuff prior to that, but then, um, you know, once it was announced that marathon was going to be later um, and, you know, kind of focused on footy finals through September, I was kind of have a break through September and just purely focused on umpiring. And then, yeah, yeah, as I said, had that full 14 weeks to, to focus on the, um, uh, sorry, focus on the marathon. Did you have any um, like favourite workouts? Any of those super sessions your favourite? Like, you uh, did it coming up on the five, calendar? The five by five k is a, is a, is a fave. I think the, the risk the risk is that I think I did it pretty well um, this time around, so I might have to avoid it next time because you're probably setting yourself up for failure. You try yourself, yeah. Try and do it faster each time. Um, but it is funny, on you know, talking about Strava. Um, you know, I think I did. I think. I didn't put my – sometimes I put my warm-up and my warm-down in the same yeah. same thing as sometimes I'd cut it. And I think um, the couple of weeks earlier, the super super session I'd done, I'd left the warm-up and warm-down on there. So it was like 40K. And it was nowhere near as good. It was a bit of – I didn't feel great. I didn't think it was that great. And everyone was getting around me saying, oh, how good is this? What yeah. a session and stuff like that. And then the the really good one I felt I'd done, I was, you know, nothing from anyone. I thought, oh, it's just, all you got to do is leave your warm-up and warm-down mm. on there and everyone gets around it. It is very biased towards that, isn't it? And I always find, like, when I do, like, good track sessions, like, say that, you know, I think I did 20 by 400, like, same thing, averaged, like, 68 off 30 yeah. seconds. And you're like, that's a hard workout <laughs> to be able to do that. And then you put on, you get stuff, all kudos, no comments. Like people just don't get the whole like track side of things, yeah. the shorter distance stuff, I think. But then you go out for like a 37K long run, maybe average four-minute K pace. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just blows up on Strava and you just get a heap of kudos. So, um, yeah, I can relate to that one as well. Would you do anything different on race day? Uh, it's an interesting one because I think if I did something different, the risk is that I might 
we might not have run 220, we might have run 223. Um, so the obvious answer would be to go if we had have gone out a bit harder. Um, you know, as you say, we kind of split 70-15. If that was 69-45, that would, I'd probably like to say we would have been able to come home similar pace and, you know, probably run that 220. Um, but, you know, you never know. And I was, I was, ha- I was happy with the performance in the, in the end. So, because I, I kind of just felt like, well, for me anyway, I felt like I was running that same pace and at the end of the race I couldn't go any faster but I kind of was just able to hold that pace and you think, oh, if we had to just run a little bit quicker early, maybe I still would have been holding that same pace. But, uh, yeah, could have also blown up and been terrible outcome. Yeah, because I got that feeling as well. Like I thought we blew up more than we did. It wasn't until I looked at the splits afterwards. I'm like, oh, we kind of just held the same pace from that kind of like 32 through 42. Like it didn't drift as much as I thought it was going to. Um, But it's good because you got that on the board now. Like I think when you jump from 224 to 220 and now it's like go overseas, attack one, jump, you know, go through a bit quicker, roll the dice a bit more. Um, Whereas, you know, if you did go quicker, blow up, finish with 223, it's not really one on the board because it's only a bit quicker than what you ran before. Have you got another one penciled in coming coming up? Uh, Well, I think, you know, um, as, you know, will be, the answer for me, I'm probably looking at November, December marathons, which fit in nicely so that I can yeah. have that, um, which, you know, that would mean nothing in Australia really because, um, you know, Melbourne's back to October again. Um, and I think January, Hobart, of course, is probably not that fast and um, probably a bit too close to, you know, the start of the footy season. So um, potentially looking at, you know, I'd love to go to Japan and run something over there in December or, um, but I think, yeah, Fukuoka got, Canned, so yeah, it's done. Um, what about Valencia? Early yeah, December? well, that was going to be my next answer. Valencia probably looms as the most likely outcome, I'd say. They used to. I know when Croaks was going to do it as well, they had like a sub elite program, but I, I don't know. I've got a feeling it was under yeah, under two twenty to get into it. It's like two twenty incentives or something. I remember you guys. Yeah, like he was like yeah. he was going to get paid euros or something if he. I think to get into it, maybe you got to break two twenty, and then if you run a PB, you get oh, okay. yeah. a like cash reward kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm not sure. But that's the thing. Like you're close to that now. It's like ah. Oh, Hopefully, just slide into those programs. But it gives you gives you an opportunity now. I know, like Berlin, to get on that sub elite start line. It was um, oh, like two twenty three or something. The years we kind of did it. So yeah, all of a sudden you can kind of get into races now with that two twenty instead of the two twenty four. Um, let's go to the AFL boundary umpire because I'm interested in how because this is your job. Like this is what you do for a living. Um, overseas listeners, uh, Australian footy is like the biggest biggest sport in Australia. Surely it is, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. It's on TV, like kids love it at school. Everyone kind of loves it, especially in the southern states of Australia. So uh, Michael's job is to run around the boundary of the oval. When the ball goes out of bounds, you throw it over your head um, back into play. Correct? You make blow it sound whi- very glamorous. Uh, well, yeah, you blow the whistle to say it's gone over the line. You collect the ball, you throw it in over your head, and then when a team kicks a goal, your job is to get the ball. Not You don't have to go into the crowd or anything because we're talking about you know, 80,000, 90,000 people in some of these crowds. So somehow they get a ball back to you and you've got to take it back to the middle for play to restart again. Have I done a good job of summarising yeah, that? Yeah, that's pretty the... much it. I mean, yeah. And you probably cover we can, what? 20... We can make umpiring really complicated or we can make it simple. Yeah. So that's, and uh, you'd cover that's... what, 20, 20K a game going up and down? Uh, probably, yeah, probably 16, 17 um, more now. A bit, bit more speed work involved now, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now do you share a side? There's two of yeah, you Yeah, so we now side. have four boundary umpires on the field at once. Uh, so two on each side. So the idea being that, you know, for the most part, the ball's in between you and you have two sets of eyes on every every decision and um, 
you know, you kind of, so you're doing, you're still kind of moving back and forth like that. Um, and, you know, it's traveling 16, 17 Ks, but yeah, a lot of it more at pace now than when it was old style, just one on each side, it would be pretty much more of an endurance test. Yeah. And like, I guess, how many AFL bound jump eyes are there like in this kind of squad that you're a part of? Uh, so we have 43 in Australia on the AFL list. Um, yeah. 23 of them are in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. And then how long did you have to, like, did you, were you in the VFL kind of squad yeah. before the AFL? Like, how long yeah. did it take you to get to this level of it? So I started umpiring when I was about 15 um, and started at uh, Essendon District Footy League. So it's the, the local footy league. Umpired there for two and two and a half seasons. And then you kind of, you know, like anything, someone, season and thinks oh you probably look like you half know what you're doing a bit of bit of talent there so you kind of get invited to the to trial at the vfl uh so i went down there when i was 17 and um you know that includes the the, the under and under 18 comp vfl reserves and vfl and yeah, you kind of again kind of progressed from there and i think i had six years there um and then yeah got on the afl list when i was 23 yeah and at the v- when you're at the VFL level, like that's not your job at that stage. Like, does it come no. to, once you get selected to be an AFL guy? That's like a massive difference income yeah. wise and yeah. like professionalism. All yeah, that kind of stuff. and I mean yeah. it's still a part time gig, really. You know, you still, um, you know, you're probably not. Um, well, I mean, you could do it as your as your job, but I mean, it's still a part time gig. And you know, most of the guys have have jobs they're doing on the side as well. Um, but yeah, it's probably the the best part time job you can you can have. Um, and yeah, um, as you said, the, the VFL is still very, very much just uh, running around for pocket money. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a significant step up once you reach the AFL. When you're saying part-time job though, you'd make, I'm just guessing it, you don't have to tell me how much you make, but as a yes or no, um, you'd make more than most professional runners in Australia? Yeah, that would be yeah. fair, um, which is probably, that's probably a bit of an indictment on uh on where athletics sits in, mm. in 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 Australia or in the world, even, um, and as you say, probably just it shows you how how big AFL football is. Um, that you know those officiating it can you know make more money than our very best runners, which is mm. you know probably probably a shame, but um, you know obviously beneficial for umpires like myself. Yeah, and then tell me about like the behind the scenes stuff. So, how many trainings do you have to attend a year? Like, how I'm sure you know you probably only get a small window of time away from the training over the twelve month calendar. Yeah, year. Well, it's 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 changed a lot though in the last few years. Um, so, you know, it's we have um, coaching um, where we you know we're sitting in meetings and then we have um, running sessions, which were used to be Tuesday Thursday nights, much the same as everyone's. Um, training and then you know, games on Saturdays and various other meetings in between. But um, but yeah, with COVID, um, obviously you know they can't really have a, a bunch of guys hanging around together um, and then potentially not being able to umpire. So um, yeah, when COVID hit, we kind of had to stop group training and um, we're only just getting back into it now. Um, you know, two and a bit years later, and um, yeah, we're down to to one night a week um, at least for the moment and probably. I think they've probably realised that, you know, you can just set the programs, give everyone a GPS and, um, mm. you know, they can, for the most part, sort themselves. Um, yeah, so at the moment we're only meeting uh, on you know, one night a week for, for group training. Um, and it was just like you say, that, that it's definitely part-time because the, the time commitment, um, you know, even though you're constantly working on your craft, uh, it's, you know, definitely time for other things in your life as well. 
but um, in terms of you know, uh, yeah, I have to be at umpire training, also can't be down at running training. Um, and yeah, it was kind of from January through to the end of the season. Yeah, and I know I've, um, I think it was the Collingwood Classic last year, bumped into you warming up and you just come, because you have to go, don't you? Like, it's not, yeah. you can't be like, hey, there's this race on at Collingwood. Yeah. I really want to do a quick 5K. I remember talking to you warming up and you're like, yeah, I've already done umpiring training tonight. I might be a bit heavy here. Like, yeah. it's, you rock up, then we guess there's someone setting the workouts. Like, even though you're yeah. probably the fastest guy there by far, you still got to do the workouts and get through those. And then you kind of fit the running in during footy season when you can. Yeah, spot on. And I think, yeah, that kind of race you referenced, I kind of, I'd just come off that box hill run, the 5K PB, and I thought, oh, I may as well have another crack. I'm, you know, Thursday night umpiring training, I often don't do too much. I'm not umpiring until the Sunday, I may as well, may as well have a crack. But um, I kind of realised uh, after about 2K into that race that the, the 150s or whatever we'd done that night probably had taken a little <laughs> bit out of the legs. And I, know, I think it was the same thing at Jales Park Relay. Um yeah, 2021 as well. I remember walking into that race with with Archie and Nathan and you'd depart the car as well and walking in with you and you're like, I'm like, hang on, I'm pretty sure I saw you on TV last night. Like you'd literally umpired a footy game, you know, in front of 80,000 people on the Friday night, live TV going up and down. And then the next day you're fronting up to uh, Jails Park Relay for a Relay League 6K yeah, cross right. country. I've got a ready-made excuse ready to go yeah. whenever I run poorly, so it's, yeah. it's a great system. Yeah, this is a bit of a coincidence. The two times, two times I saw you last year that you had this uh, excuse ready to go. But <laughs> That's yeah, it. it must be like, and then the weekends, like you're just jumping on a plane every second weekend. They send you interstate. Like, uh, how often do you have to go interstate to umpire a game? Yeah, probably uh, tend to umpire mostly in Melbourne, um, or at least generally, normally um, pre-COVID. Um, but yeah, we probably travel. Um, here and there, probably umpire, you know, half a dozen games interstate for the year and then potentially finals as well if they're interstate. Um, so, yeah, it can, you know, you can kind of, you know, you can't plan your weekends too far ahead sometimes. You have to just, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll come to this, but, you know, I might be umpiring. So, you know, that sort of thing. So, it's, you know, little sacrifices here and there you have to make. But, um, yeah, we're, it's, we're yeah, well looked after as well. Yeah, and the 2000, oh, quickly on 2021, season and the 2020 season during COVID like the sport still went ahead um maybe 2020 first up did they just get you guys on planes and 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 out of here kind of um yeah so we had another one unfold we we thought there was all a bit of talk about hubs and all that sort of stuff going going into it and then um happened very quickly there was you know whatever the case numbers in Victoria at the time maybe they were like 40 or 50 and then you know, two days later, there were 100. And then um, that was, you know, on the weekend. Um, I remember umpired in Geelong, and, in Geelong on that Saturday. And, and you know, by the Sunday night, we're, we're on a plane to the Gold Coast, um, you know, on Monday morning. So, you know, on Saturday, we didn't know we were going anywhere. On a Monday, we were at the Gold Coast. And, um, yeah, kind of went thinking we are probably going to be there for four or five weeks and then reassess. And, um, yeah, I spent close to four months uh, away in the end. So, yeah, sort of packed packed for a month and came back four months later. Just living out of your hotel, like suitcase kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, we were yeah, stayed at a, stayed at, we were well looked after by the AFL. They, they looked after us. We were, we were staying at um, Royal Pines on the Gold Coast, the golf course there, and I'm a bit of a golf junkie. So, um yeah, there's certainly, certainly no, no complaints from myself there. 
you were locked in and stuff though, weren't you? Like, did uh, I see yeah, somewhere so, you did 20K around like an oval one day? Just well, the first, of- obviously, the first two weeks were up there. We, um, you know, we're in just the, um, the host. Well, it's, it's not quite the same as, you know, when you're doing quarantine, you, you know, guys coming back from the Olympics and they're stuck in their own room, mm. that sort of thing. Um, you know, we had to stay within the compound of you know, the resort, which, you know, all your mates are there. It's a four or five star resort or whatever. And yeah, you can't go down the street or whatever, but you know, other than going for a long run, everything else is fine to do within, you know, it, it did meant that I probably, you know, that day I ran 20 K or whatever around a 400 or 500 meter loop, uh, not ideal, but uh, yeah, very small sacrifice. Yeah. And then 2021, like same thing, they got you guys over to Perth. Yeah. So, well, I went to Tassie first actually. Um, so yeah, the finals were going to be, in another hub um, situation uh, just because, yeah, we in Victoria, we had no crowds here at the time. Um, yeah, so they shipped us all off to um, some to Perth or some to Adelaide, some to Tasmania, I went to Tassie. And, um, yeah, we were, um, that was proper quarantine for those few days except for the, the game. Um, and then from there flew across with GWS to, to, to Perth and um, then had another three three or four weeks there until uh, the grand final and um yeah we were allowed out after we did our two first two weeks away we were allowed to live amongst the community in Perth so yeah that was good and Perth was um yeah obviously no COVID there at the time so it was a, it was a free-for-all in terms of um restrictions and stuff like that so it was yeah, it was I mean it was I, I loved that time away I mean I probably should be careful saying that my um yeah wife. My, <laughs> well, I left my left my wife at home during those, those times so um but I, I did have a great time and um yeah it was certainly where especially in 2020 um yeah as I kind of mentioned obviously I, my wife was at home and, and she's a doctor and going to work and then coming home and then in living in lockdown while I was uh living it up on the Gold Coast. So we're certainly well aware of how lucky we were to be in the situation we're in. Um, and, yeah, you know, we've only got the, the AFL to thank for that. How many PCRs did you do over the last couple of years? you got a count yeah, on I've it? You would have had a few up in those? Absolute truckload, yeah. I mean, we had probably a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be getting close to triple figures, I reckon, by now. Yeah, and then, like, just what's it like when you're on the ground there as well? Like, I'm prying those games, 100,000 people in the stands. Like, it must be pretty surreal getting kind of the best view of the house. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, well aware that 100,000 people cheering, they're not cheering <laughs> like bloke throwing the ball over his head. Don't worry about that. But um, but you can't help to, um, you know, but enjoy that atmosphere and, and kind of, you know, ride that adrenaline and, you um, just soak it up and you know I'm you know I've always grown up loving footy so it's it's brilliant to you know just to be out there and see those moments up close it's um yeah but as I say it's the best seat in the house mm. back to the pro run and let's go there mate so like you is I think you were into this early like was this you were into this because your family connections I think you was your dad a sprinter Brian uh yeah pretty 400 pretty much he was a um yeah so my grandfather was actually a, a pro runner way back in the day and he was a sprinter he ran uh second in the stall gift way back when um and yeah my dad Brian was more of a 400 meter specialist but yeah he won a couple of races in stall as well and was reasonable hand reasonably handy over the 400 meter distance um so yeah they probably they probably don't quite have as much leg speed as them but um but yeah I sort of grew up around running um 
didn't necessarily run myself and still until I kind of got into umpiring actually but um but I was kind of well aware of running and um yeah kind of went to store for our Easter holidays every year and all that sort of business so um yeah running as far as I knew it was was growing up it was all about the pro running not not any uh amateur running or anything like that can you remember your first first pro win the season where where was it so these meets kind of travel around they travel around or you know, there's some in um, South Australia and I think different states as well. But it's pretty, pretty like I'd say Victoria is the most dominant yeah. state. Like and every, a lot of regional, um, yeah, Victoria every different, different weekend. There's a, a different gift on somewhere. Yeah, um, can you remember some early wins? My first one was at Ballarat. I remember that. Um, on the on the mile at Ballarat. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think we used to. At the time, I was you know um, kind of a young guy and hippo grew. We always used to just. You know, we were a bunch of guys, most of single, you know, early 20s or whatever, and we, we used to love this. we train hard, then we go go some regional town on the weekend and, and race hard and then go, go out afterwards, have a few beers. And it was just, I mean, it's what made me fall in love with running, um, you know, just that that whole vibe of racing and travelling and having fun was um, just brilliant. But, yeah, I think Ballarat was my first win. Um and uh, you know, I probably had way too much handicap and <laughs> took advantage of that. But um, yeah, I guess that that is, that is pro running. Yeah, and that group you talk about—that's like a group of like 25, 30 guys. Like it used to be. I remember when I dabbled in it for a while there. Like it was intimidating racing you guys because there might be a mile race, and there might be you know thirty people in the race, but. 10, 15 of you guys are from the same training group. And you're like, well, this guy next to me is, you know, training partners with the guy who's 10 metres in front of me, who's training partners with the guy who's 50 metres in front of me. Like, is the guy at the front going to try to slow it? Or the guy at the back to, you know, go too hard? Or what's going to, like, you used to always think, I know we did anyway, we only had like a small stable, like two or three of us, but it's like, what are these guys going to do? Like, this, yeah, it was really intimidating racing you guys because you had so many in your kind of stable there. Uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah. It, it was it was fun. We did probably probably did like being the uh, the big fish in the, in the small run of pro, <laughs> small pond of pro running. But um, but yeah, we, we loved it at the time. And uh, yeah, as I said, I mean it's a, probably just you know there's a reason why I love running is because of because of those early years and running the pros. And you know, I know like you've, you know, you guys have well not not so much you, but the other guys have shit on pro running a little bit sometimes. And um, you know, there's obviously some some bad elements of, about it where you know guys are dodging you know dodging the handicapper and not performing at their best all the time that that obviously does happen but you know at its purest form I think pro running is just a, a great concept the idea that you know everyone can has an equal chance to win and you know it's just whoever performs the best on their day they're the one that wins I mean that that idea is is, is brilliant and got you know the ability to to, to race someone like Stewie, even if you're if you're just a battler at the front, like I mean that sort of concept, it's it's brilliant. There's a reason why you know the stall gift gets TV coverage every year, while you know we can't get our national championships on on TV. You know, so I think there there is something about that. There is something that appeals to the public, and you know there's there's a reason why it's it's been successful for so long. Yeah, well put. And it is, like, it's entertaining to do as well. Like they're kind of fun races. Like when you're fit and you're like, okay, I know this guy's going to go out yeah. hard, but I've got to, I don't want to catch him in the first lap. I want to catch him with the bell. Like things like you got to, what I, what I learned about it is you got to, um, you got to learn how to race. 
because when you go to amateur races like, you know, Vic Miles Club or whatever, the pace is set, you jump in, you pretty much hold on. There's not much thinking involved. You hold on for as long as you can. If you feel good with 200 metres to go, you empty the tank. And yeah. you see it when the the guys like Stewie and that go to do the pro races, maybe not so much Stewie because he's been pretty successful at it, but the Herb Hedeman, the one that Croaks and Moose and I are doing in a few weeks, that was always the most obvious one because a whole lot of guys who have never done pro races before would enter that race and then get their handicaps. And you look at the handicaps and you go, this guy should win easy, this guy should be second, this guy should be third. Yeah. But then once the gun goes, it's like they don't know what they're doing because they're so used to being in time trial-based yeah. races. They either go away too hard early, blow to pieces, and the grass is too, like all these pro yeah. races are on the grass so that you can't run the same pace on them. So um, sorts people out. And then, yeah, yeah, there's so many people who haven't been able to transition when they've tried to, to jump across to it. I think, I think it teaches you how to win as well. Mm. It's, you know, like Tactics, a lot of those yeah. guys you're talking about who've <laughs> probably you know, been in A races all their life and, you know, finished seventh to tenth, you know, in the middle of these packs the whole time, kind of going with philosophy of just, just hanging on in race, which, you know, is obviously something to be said for just trying to run as quick as you can. But, you know, I think, um, you know, as our better runners, you know, trying to win races on the international scene and stuff like actually, you know, learning how to win races is is, is what, what running's about. So, you know, I think encouraging that sort of attitude is, you know, is pretty good. And how many did you win over? How many sashes you got at home? That's another thing we haven't touched on. You get a sash every time you win a um, professional oh, race. None. Yeah, I think you put them up on the wall the there. Where are you looking? No, nah, there's not not on the wall. Yet, actually, uh, I think they're all just hidden in the cupboard somewhere. Unfortunately. How many do you reckon you've got though? Fifty. Uh, uh, look, I'm not too sure. I've probably won. Uh, probably be over thirty. I think. I think. I think uh, yeah, I've had a decent, decent win, winning record in the pro running scene. And the good thing was you'd do that and then you'd still jump on the track. So it's like, because yeah. people get a bit dirty on, oh, this guy always does the stuff on the pro staff and then never gets to run on the track. But you got the best of both worlds. You're like, well, if you yeah, bag me out for least, running pros, I'm, I'll um, do Vic Miles as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I certainly, as I, as I, as I got better, I certainly did. Um, you know, it's fair to say when I started, I was only running the pros. Um, and, you know, probably won more races because because I wasn't running the amateurs. But, um, you know, as, as I got better and kind of, became more aware of the running opportunities out there and, you know, wanted to run as fast as I possibly could. I certainly wanted to, to run, you know, your Vic Miles and that as well. Um, but, yeah, I was probably, you know, in terms of pro running, I was probably lucky in that um, I kind of started racing at the same time I started training for running. So I was, you know, I was, I was and young, so I was getting better at the same time. Um, you know, so I was kind of always being the handicapper in that, you know, I'd win a race and, and you know, come back in handicap, but I was young and, and improving, so I was able to, you know, improve and, and win another race three months later. Yeah, yeah. Can you – what was your most proudest win? What was your biggest win? We also haven't mentioned that the pro handicap running prize money is, like, significantly bigger. Well, it kind of doesn't exist in amateur running. So, um, you know, most races there will be – what minimum 500 bucks first prize up to maybe yeah, sometimes i mean up yeah, to two I, and a half three grand sometimes but also you i think you have to remember that, you know, no one's making a, a great deal unless you're a sprinter winning the store if you're oh, yeah. Not, yeah. not making too much money from I mean, you're, you're taking into account you're making a lot more than the, the vic the guys driving down vic milers or shield or anything like that though. yeah 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 exactly right um geez, uh biggest win uh i won it store a few times um how many, they'll, they'll, twice, three times? Uh, three times, but, um, yeah, probably I haven't actually won a race there for a long time, so probably uh, they'll probably offer a slightly bigger handicap. So um, I think 
probably a one eight hundred Bendigo off a, a reasonably tight mark, which is probably probably a, what I remember the most because I was probably I don't even think I won my heat and I probably didn't really deserve to win, but I managed to to pull it out in the final, and that was probably the second biggest eight hundred behind Stoll. So yeah, that win was it was pretty special for me at the time. The Ray Foley Memorial, I think that's exactly. called. You do the heat in the morning at about ten thirty a.m. and then you come back at about nine thirty p.m. and go for the final. That's right. That's it. Yeah, that's a good one. Tight, no straights on that. Oh, there's a kind of a straight down the front there, but you feel like you're running on a bend the whole way on that grass track as well. That was a brilliant track, though. That was the fastest grass track out there. That was. Uh, that was that's where I. That's where I started running that track. That's where my old coach was when I was fifteen, sixteen. But it, that track was only in that condition for about two weeks of the year. Yeah. It was like running <laughs> the paddock year round. But um, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it for those times you were there. Um, and then I, I want to put you on the spot. Like, how can we get? How can we make this connection better between the two? Like you're a guy who got jumps in both of them, but what would you do if you're in charge of, of Athletes Victoria or Athletes Australia or the Victorian Athletic League to kind of merge them together? That's a tough one because I know like I know the Victorian Athletic League have really tried to capture um, you know, as many of these type of runners as possible. I know they've gone down to Vic Miles and you know, the A&B race and handing out flyers and that sort of stuff to, to encourage guys to, to, to run the herb or to run you know, just any giving them, um, you know, free rego for first first year of our runners and all that sort of business. But um, I just can't seem to, to, to hold them. Um, and I think perhaps it is the, you know, that initial, you know, with handicap running, you often get a pretty tight mark when you start until they kind of get a look at you. And kind of it's kind of overcoming that where you know, you, you, they're going to get beaten the first few times they run probably. Um and then, unfortunately, most guys go, oh, I'm not making any money here, not really enjoying it, not running a time, so what's the point? Um, and that's that's fair, but you know, I think if they stuck it out, they might realise that you know, they can have a pretty good time running the pros as well. Um, so, yeah, and answer your question, I'm not sure what the answer mm-hmm. is. I think um, you know, it's good now that I think everything's on live stream, even the pros is on live stream now. You can watch it on YouTube. So the more, more people are viewing um, you know, each type of event, and they kind of get a vibe for it and understand how it works. I think that's, you know, it can only be beneficial. So uh, hopefully, just you know, just more understanding of, of each other will hopefully lead to to people running both. What about the flip side of it? Like the money in pro running, how does some of that get to amateur running? Like the Box Hill, you know, the Box Hill Burns going to be tonight. Stewie's probably going to run in the winning in thirteen yeah. ten. Adelaide Invitation was a couple of weeks ago. Guys running thirteen thirty, you know, probably well, losing, losing is, money. These sponsors. Um, yeah. So how come guess, pro athletes can get them so easy? And I, 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 my guess is the reason pro running can get sponsored. Not that they get it easy, but they certainly have a lot more luck mm. getting sponsors. My guess is that um, the tradition of like a lot of them. Yeah, you know, those gift meetings have been running for years and years, and they probably go to the same back to the same sponsors year after year, and they're happy to to keep piling money into it. And also the fact that they are in, in regional areas, um, and so the whole town gets behind it, and they're willing to support it. So, um, yeah, that's probably a reason why you know the same person's probably sponsored the gift at Bendigo for year after year, and you know the people of Bendigo probably um, support that business because of it. Um, 
And so I don't know, maybe some of these some of these amateur meetings need to be held held in regional towns. I don't know. That, yeah. Maybe that's right, the best though, way like, to get a sponsor. And much bigger crowds and like they feel like it's you go on a community festival for the weekend or something yeah. like that. So yeah. But they still got to be able to attract the runners and make them they've got to be willing to, to travel, which you know, is not necessarily the case. What about the um I know your family's got a big history in like the gambling side of things as well. I think was it your grandfather who is one of the bookies? Yeah, my grandfather yeah, um, was a, a pretty big um, bookie back in the day, mostly obviously focused on, um, you know, it was a, a, for horses, but, um, he'd, you know, given our involvement in running and stuff, he'd, you know, come down to the running as, as well. And, um, you know, my uncle, um, similar sort of story. So, yeah, there's plenty of um, sort of betting background um, with the Marantelli family now. He's massive in the UK now, isn't he, a brother? Yeah. That's, one of your brothers? He uncles, is cousins? Uh, one of my dad's cousins. Is that, yeah, and Marin Charlie you know, there's plenty of betting connections there, but yeah, he's a he's a, yeah, pretty big time in uh, in the UK with um, gambling over there. Do you think we'll see that come into amateur running? Like, is there just not enough money there? I just don't think that. Like, I think uh, athletics, is either fortunately or unfortunately, is probably always going to be a pretty niche sport. And, mm. you know, I'm just not sure that watching, yeah guys run lap after lap around the track whether it's it's particularly exciting for for the general public um maybe you know marathon running where you can you know highlight the the town they're running around and you know interview a celebrity or whatever at the same time maybe that has more mass appeal and therefore you know potentially can attract some some of that sort of money from gambling and whatnot but um yeah i don't know i think it's 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 pretty difficult and we saw it kind of a bit at the Olympics. Like I remember when Pete Bowl made the final of the 800, like sports better doing all these promotions about, you know, will he be winning at the bow or will he, will he finish top five or six? Like we saw it a bit there and it kind of does just roll around once every four years when the Olympics gets the attention. All of a sudden, all of us are, all of us at home who follow the sport, we think we're like expert gamblers. And then we yeah, just end well, up yeah. losing, losing we'll, money we'll for two weeks. Like missed an opportunity to, to try and get some new customers. So, uh, if they, if they thought they could get a few athletic punters uh, signed up, they'll probably take that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. What about your thoughts on the sport in general, mate? Like I give you a magic wand. What are some of the things you'd change? Oh, geez, you really are putting me on the spot. I um, ask this question all the time. I know you listen and support the show, <laughs> so you should have known this one's coming. <laughs> what would you well, change? Your Sebastian Coe for the day, head of IW or World Athletics. What do you think? Look, I, I don't know. It's it's the it's well. First of all, you, you know, the obvious, you've got to do something about the. Uh, you could probably police the uh, the drugs in sports situation a little bit better. Um, I know I you know, kind of watch the the I barely watch the the high level performances. Um, you know the really truly truly high level performances because I sit there and I go oh, yeah, you know, like do I really do I really think that's uh, that's believable or not? Um, so you know that's probably the big issue that all endurance sports are going to suffer from, and you know that's unfortunate, but that's probably just the way it is. Um, but yeah, I don't, yeah, like, I don't know. It's a million dollar question. If if I knew the answer, then I'd, I'd probably be doing it or trying to work out how to do it. But um, I do. Yeah, it's brilliant now that um, you know I can sit back and watch any sort of event these days and that's got to be good for the sport. You know, if there's live, live streams popping up here and there for every event and, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's the way to, to, to spread the, the spread the sport. Um, mm. But I mean, yeah, the same token with problems with that. We couldn't even watch the Tokyo marathon on yeah. the weekend. So 
which is crazy that like, yeah, you can watch a Victorian Athletic League or a Vic Milers club or about Box Hill Bird tonight and I'll be able to watch that, but I can't watch Kipchoge run around Tokyo. And I think that needs to be just like more, like just consistency across. I, I wish there was just one broadcast partner for all the marathon majors. And then the next tier down, you had flow tracks saying, we'll take all those ones or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, if yeah. it's not big enough for a commercial network, then, you know, someone should, yeah, at a lower level, you know, surely should be able to put it on a stream somewhere for us. But, yeah. Do you know much about the business of that kind of thing? Not really. Only through um, uh, one of the other umpires, uh, Lockie Rayner, is the, mm. the man behind Athletics Exclusive. So I kind of just hear bits and pieces from from what he says. And, um, you know, he's done you know, great work kind of spreading, spreading the sport with those streams. So, yeah, I think just... The more sort of entrepreneurs like that that uh, you know create those sort of things, the better. Yeah, because I was talking to my mate Christian over in Norway, and he was because they will sometimes buy the the like the broadcast to then do the commentary for it for the Norwegian audience. And I was trying to get out of him like how much it costs to do because someone like Lockie Rainer could say, well, he'll buy Tokyo Marathon or whatever it is, and it's a two dollar fifty pay per view kind of thing, like we saw yeah. with the the sound running meet yesterday and it's like well here's a really easy system if you want to watch it it's cost you two dollars fifty so many people would pay that on a sunday afternoon to sit down get a couple of australians to commentate it and then all of a sudden it's like everyone wins but i'm like that it could cost like twenty thousand to buy i don't know yeah, how exactly. much it actually happens maybe you'll charge yeah. more than two dollars fifty but yeah i'd be interested to see how that because from what i can gather no one purchased it for tokyo marathon in australia is that where you that what you get like KO look at it and say nah flow tracker like nah Eurosports like we don't give it to Australia like yeah and then yeah I guess you know the little guys that are prepared to do it they you know can't get that meeting with you know whoever they have to get it with to to be able to do that sort of thing so yeah interesting all right mate last question for you what books on the bedside table at the moment what are you reading (laughs) Uh, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a reader yeah what are you watching then Netflix mostly, mostly fiction I read but um no, I did read the, the most recent book I read was actually um, called uh, Commander in Chief, which uh, if you're in um, the very uh, unique position Venn diagram where you, you like um, politics and golf, then um, it's about Donald Trump and how he cheats at golf. So okay. the, the very, very niche area, which I happen to fall into, then, uh, yeah, it's a good read. Beautiful, mate. Well, to give us some other races so the Inside Run podcast audience can look up your results in Box Hill Burn when you'll run about. I've got your, I'm going to go 1410. 1410 to 1412 tonight. It's going to be fast. Hopefully. It's going I'll, to be fast. The wind's I'll going to die down and it's going to be quick. So they're going to see that result when they go back and check the results after they hear okay. this interview. But what else have you got coming up they can keep an eye on you? Uh, well, it's kind of, yeah, I've actually ventured about a million races this week. Um, I've put my name down to run 1500 at Box Hill, uh, not Box Hill, wherever that is, on Vic Miles on Thursday night as well. Um, so, I mean, the focus this week is obviously the 5K and then um, I'll see if I feel like running the 1500 on Thursday and then, um, as luck would have it, we're, um, gonna, we're going away to Sydney this weekend anyway, just for a bit of a weekend away before the footy starts. And um, But I'll see what running events are on this weekend and the National 3K's on yeah. there. So, so I've entered that as well. So, um Three races this weekend. I'm not sure I'll run all three, but um, I'll start with tonight and, and see where I go from there. And then um, after that, it's it's probably mostly footy season. And um, if I can sneak in National 5K or, um, you know, a, a another 1,500 or whatever here or there, then I, I probably will. But, um, yeah, other than that, I'll probably be looking for a 10K a week, you know, Lonnie 
10k or something if I can get a week off in footy in June or whatever. Yeah. What about um Easter? Easter Monday stall. Yeah. Or you, or you would you be umpiring? There's a big game that day, isn't it? Geelong Hawthorne. Yeah, I umpired that game last year. Um, so yeah, potentially could be umpiring, and um, but obviously there's lots of footy that weekend, so also a chance I can umpire early in the weekend and and get to East, uh, get to stall for Easter Monday to to oh, race smoke the up three and and boys yeah. over a mile. What handicap are you off these days over a mile? No, I haven't. I actually obviously have run very few pro events um, in the last few years. Um, I guess with kind of moving up in distance a bit plus COVID, plus footy has uh, prevented me from running too many. So um, I don't think I, uh, I, can't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what my mile handicap is. But unfortunately, like you guys, it's it's probably based on my three forty seven days. So probably not that competitive. You reckon they'll do that to you? That's what I'm worried about. Uh, I mean, that is um, a little bit of leeway, but. Do you reckon yeah, they do that to Croaks? I look at his PB and just like, mate, there's no way you're winning this. You're back. Well, he'll be off I think like it'll, 40 hurt him. it'll hurt him a little bit. He'll be off like they'll, 40 or 30 metres or something, won't he? He'll be starting they're... 60 metres behind Moose and I. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll, you'll meet somewhere in the middle. But, um, yeah, having a PB that, that fast won't, won't help. Yeah, talent doesn't. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I might get your thoughts a bit closer to the race day. See, when these handicaps come out, it'll be interesting because I know Nitter's got to run it as well from Shoe Geeks. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls with his handicap. And um, and as you said, it makes things interesting. Like it's yeah. if this was just a flat-out 1,500-meter race, I'm smoking both those boys, but I might <laughs> have to give them a head start or they might be behind me and I'll just smoke them away even more. So, um, yeah, they definitely, these handicap races, make things interesting and it's just a whole different different concept to running, which is fun. It's good to talk about and good banter. Beautiful, mate. You can follow, listeners can follow you on Strava. You put all your stuff yeah. up there. That's about my only social media work. So, um, yeah. yeah well, I did send you a message. It took you about a week to reply on Instagram. I thought, I'm like, this guy even check Instagram? What's going on here? <laughs> I think I've got zero posts on my Instagram. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Don't follow him on there unless you want to see just blank nothing. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful, Mara. Thanks for your time and your support of the Inside Running Podcast. I know you've been a Patreon supporter for a long time, so we, uh, we appreciate that. And, yeah, thanks for giving up some time on a Tuesday to uh, chat all things running. No problem, Matt. Thanks for having me. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulas and how they support recovery, elevate energy and relieve joint inflammation.